Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. Get it off your chest. Text the Neil Prendeville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Uh, good morning. It's Mick Mulcahy in for Neil Prendeville until he returns on Wednesday after a little extended and well-deserved long weekend break. Skibber Green. Yep, Skibber Green. Nice headline. Green, white and gold, says the Echo. And of course, uh, I know they're all a day late because uh, they were printed before the, the big event in Tokyo. But Skibberine Delight, says the Echo, the inclement weather and lack of sleep had no impact on Skibberine Town yesterday as residents had a noticeable spring in their step following the heroics of local rowers Fintan McCarthy and Paula Donovan who won Olympic gold medals in the lightweight double skulls. I was reading about it this morning. They've got a weigh-in uh, at an average of 70 kgs and one might be 71. 169, 172, 168 but they got a row in a, um, within a few hours of the event and that's what's called the lightweight skulls Paul and Fenton tick every box that declares Harnady Skibbereen Rowing Club member Tim Harnady who captured a world championship silver medal in 2005 praised Paula Donovan and Fenton McCarthy for their execution they followed a specific race plan and executed it perfectly Paul and Fenton tick every box they are mentally very strong uh, they are technically outstanding and they complement each other brilliantly. Check that out in the Evening Echo. Three cheers for the Rebel County. It's been a corker of a games, says today's mail. Uh, Cork may not be known for its modesty. Actually, why would we be modest? And uh, after the past few days of Olympic glory, you might forgive the Rebel County boasts. The uh, county claimed three medalists in just two days after Skibbereen's Paul O'Donovan and Fenton McCarthy won gold yesterday. And fellow Skib native Emily Hegarty took the bronze on Wednesday. Social media lit up with celebratory posts as Corkonians wondered whether their county was the most decorated in Olympic history. And there was a kind of a meme going around yesterday which uh, kind of explained a lot of that. And I wonder if we could probably get it up on uh, our own social. But it was a, it's a kind of a medal table uh, that went around yesterday and it went like this. Uh, let me just read it here. Uh, Japan, eight, uh, 15 gold medals. China, 14 United States, 13, uh, Australia, 8, and Cork, 1. Uh, yeah, time to be a proud Corkonian. Uh, Irish Examiner has skib erupts in green, white, and gold. Uh, Liz Dunphy reporting from Skibbereen that it was a historic win, 50 years in the making, and proof that sporting success is open to everyone, even if you're not keen on team sports. That was how Skibbereen reacted as Cork rowers Paula Donovan and Fintan McCarthy raced their way into Irish sporting history at the Tokyo Olympics, claiming gold in the men's lightweight double skulls final. And Fintan McCarthy and uh, Paula Donovan presented each other with their gold medals in Tokyo, as is the uh, pandemic restrictions. But so nice a picture there in the Irish Examiner. The Taoiseach said the rowers made us also proud to be Irish. Sporting excellence has a particular hold on our nation. We love the dedication, the determination, the focus and the mental strength acquired. And while we all have uh, our favourite teams in different codes, in different leagues, the way in which the entire nation gets behind those representing Ireland is very special. We can all be particularly proud of the team that has travelled to Tokyo to represent Ireland in the Games, the extraordinary levels of commitment, resilience and hard work required to qualify even for participation in the Games can only be fully appreciated by the athletes themselves and uh, those closest to them, I suppose, uh, but it is admired and appreciated by all of us. And I haven't felt the kind of notional lift uh, of the country since the heady days of the 90s 
uh, when Jack Charlton was so proudly leading Ireland in sporting victory uh, and even uh, in sporting loss where we all felt uh, on top of the world. Wasn't that the start of the Celtic Tiger? Uh, rowing for gold, front page of the mirror. Olympian heroes Paul and Finton are pictured there as well. Uh, the mirror has uh, names added to Ireland's list of champions. Pat O'Callaghan in the hammer throw in 1928. I'm not talking about the, uh, the ones before the state was formed. I know there was an Irish winner, uh, I think possibly from Belfast, I'm not sure, in 1906. Uh, and when the Union Jack was raised, he climbed up the flagpole and replaced it with the green, white and gold. I think that was way back uh, in the early 1900s. But Paddock Hallen, anyway, 1928 in the hammer throw. Bob Tisdall, 1932 in the 400-meter hurdles. Ronnie Delaney, of course, 56 uh, in the 1500-meter. Michael Caruth in the boxing. Michelle Smith, uh, she still has her medals uh, and is still uh, an Olympic champion, officially. She hit the headlines when dominating in the pool. However, in 1998, she was banned for allegedly tampering with a urine sample. She's never been stripped of her medals, though. And Katie Taylor in 2012 in the boxing as well. So, Skibbereen White and Gold, says the uh, sun on their front page. Cork pair row to Olympic win. Black Gold is the headline on the front of the star. And uh, while we're looking for a comment like steak and spuds or pull like a dog, this might be the one. Uh, they'll row through Porter in Skibbereen. Uh, laughs medal chap. So that's where the headline came from. Black Gold. Pure Gold, says the Irish Independent. The ecstatic smiles reminded everyone of all that's good about sport, all that's good about the Irish, and all that's great about life. And uh, to the rest of the papers now, crowd pleaser, the Taoiseach is hopeful about indoor events and kids could get jabs before school returns. Uh, So says the Mirror today. The Taoiseach said yesterday he's cautiously positive and indicated the country could see a return of live music and sport indoors in September. Neil Martin revealed the government will take six weeks to analyse the return of indoor dining, while vaccinations are rolled out to teenagers and children. The Fianna Fáil leader added there is potential to have 250,000 children aged 12 to 15 jabbed with their first dose before they return to school. And Mr Martin also revealed there will be an announcement next week on increasing the crowd limit allowed to attend the All-Ireland semi-finals and finals in Croke Park. Uh, this also makes the star with uh, Eamon Ryan on the front page there saying the government is looking at using COVID certs for concerts. Uh, of course, uh, the uh, live music industry is still waiting for clarity on the, on the roadmap forward. Taoiseach Micheál Martin said yesterday he's cautiously positive and indicated the country could see the return of indoor events such as live music and sport in September. Much the same as the previous paper. But speaking at a vaccination centre in uh, Swords in County Dublin yesterday, the Taoiseach said, I think it's steady as she goes. I'm cautiously positive about where things are right now. COVID-19, it's plateauing, is the big headline on the front of the mail today. Also, of course, the, our golden boys row into Olympic history. And on the front of the mail, uh, Fintan McCarthy uh, is not, uh, I mean, he's not too unlike Matt Damon uh, in that picture there. The Delta wave of COVID cases is beginning to plateau with Ireland now on the path back to normality, health chiefs have said. HSE Chief Paul Reid has said the vaccine rollout is on the final furlong as he praised the remarkable national uptake of jabs for slowing down the pace of the current wave. His comments come as the Taoiseach hinted at some good news, as I mentioned, for GEA fans and for music fans as well. That's the front of the mail today. COVID patients hospital in hospital rises 60% is the headline that goes against that good news uh, on the front of the examiner. The number of people hospitalized with COVID-19 has increased by 60% um, week on week. But there's great grounds for optimism, HSE Chief Executive Paul Reid has said. Currently 160 COVID patients in hospital, 26 of whom are in intensive care. Speaking at a briefing yesterday, Mr. Reid said approximately 70% 
of those patients were admitted to hospital as a result of the virus. And parents are urged to ignore dangerous social media opinions on vaccines. Neil Michael reporting in The Examiner that Health Minister Stephen Donnelly has warned parents to be wary of stupid and dangerous stuff being written about vaccines on social media. He urged people with questions about vaccines to get their information from legitimate sources, such as the HSE. Mr Donnelly was speaking after visiting the Cork City Hall Vaccination Centre, where up to 130,000 people were expected to have been vaccinated to date. The CUMH apologises for care given to Triplet. Uh, that's in the Echo Cork University Maternity Hospital, has apologised to the family of triplets for the care of one of their babies just a day after she and her siblings were born at the hospital. And we have the Echo, Terry McCarthy on stage with Sean Lucy of the Dixies, the Ballinlock musician who played uh, saxophone and clarinet in the popular show band, passed away last Wednesday. We spoke to Joe Mackey yesterday on the programme in remembrance of Sean Lucy, uh, who was by all accounts an absolute gentleman. Uh, tributes have been paid to the gentleman, Sean Lucy, who has been remembered for his music and the unforgettable memories he created. He's from Ballinlock and formerly Roman's Walk, passed away on July 28th, and Sean played saxophone and clarinet with the Dixies, which was formed in 1954. And bandmate uh, Joe Mack said he was fun. He has fond memories of Sean, having played with him since 1954, when rehearsals took place in Mammy's front room. We were like brothers, said Joe. We were closer than brothers. We spent so much time together. And we'll get back to more of the stories uh, in in the papers. Just want to finish up with this one, because this is an amazing thing. Plastic doesn't go away, you know, uh, especially when you discard it on beaches. A Jay's fluid bottle with a label noting a 1p discount. Discarded tents, uh, 1p, that must be over 20, 25 years old. Alcohol bottles, discarded uh, disposable masks were among the items volunteers encountered as tons of waste were picked up in uh, East Cork beaches in recent week. Uh, the recent week. Pranchia Sotuma, a teacher involved in Clean Coast's Ballinamona, said the group had discovered bottles with labels going back at least three decades. So uh, we can do socially distanced beach cleans, he said. It's difficult enough because you really need an army. Uh, he also said the White Bay area was a problematic area and that the volunteers had done about 70-something hours of cleaning on it over the past seven weeks. I know many users of White Bay who always fastidiously clean up after them. Uh, the Jay's Fluid Bottle, though, with a 1p discount on it. I think that was found near Blackrock Castle. That's shocking. It's a long, long time since anyone got excited about a 1p discount. Uh, so that shows how old it was. Mr. Otuma said they did a spot check on the beach yesterday and had to pick up masks, towels, flip-flops, beer bottles, broken glass, cans and a tent. The leave-no-trace thing isn't working, he said. White Bay was in fairly okay condition three weeks ago. The site that greeted us yesterday was really, really disheartening. And he said the group collected 12 to 14 bags of litter, including steaks and condiments from what appeared to be an aborted barbecue effort. The bags were taken away by Cork County Council. Of course, all of this rubbish draws rats and the rat population would have had a field day if we hadn't cleaned up. There is a massive problem in Cork Harbour, he said. So clean as you go, leave it as you found it uh, and everyone will be okay. And one meme that caught my attention yesterday, uh, which was posted, and I thought it ironically quite funny, uh, a guy posted up, uh, you now need to be fully vaccinated to get into a pub. Seven months ago, all you needed was a bowl of chicken wings. The Neil Prenderville Show. With Tesco, we're grateful to our customers for continuing to follow the guidelines that help to protect us all. Now we have uh, the Digital Search Helpline, which is 1-800-851404. And there's a new number, if you want to take note of it, it's one 800 807 So the old number, still working on the digital search helpline is one eight hundred eight five one five 
1-800-807-004. There is now a new number as well, uh, which is one 800 807 008. And I got my digital cert uh, in the post uh, recently, uh, and it has my name on it, Mick Mulcahy. Unfortunately, that's not the name of my passport, which is Michael Mulcahy. I wonder, will I be okay, or should I be ringing one of those numbers? one eight hundred eight five one five zero four, or the new number now is one eight hundred eight zero seven double zero eight. And we have our free food Friday today, of course, before we get down to business. Let's give it a good old mention. It's Oak Fire Pizza, of course, Real Wood Fire Pizza now in Douglas, Tonakilty, Bandon, Princess Street and Gill Abbey Street. And their new store has just opened in East Village in Douglas. So they're everywhere now. And we have three winners every Friday. Each winner will receive four pizzas and two sides. We don't deliver them uh, right now because of the COVID restrictions and for health and safety reasons. But we will send you the vouchers, okay? And winners' names and numbers will be... uh, uh, sorted out uh, by the team here at the end of the program. So don't call just now, uh, but you can get ready to text, please. It's um, lunch and uh, the name of the company you, where you're working and how many of you are there, okay? So that is uh, our feature today, as we do every Friday, Real Woodfire Pizza in Douglas, Clannacilty, Bandon, Princess Street and Galabi Street. We don't normally call it out this early, but feel free to begin texting from around 10 o'clock or so. Now, let's uh, get to line one and to the business of the day and start off with Joseph Byrne. Good morning, Joseph. Good morning, Mick. How are you? I'm very good. Now, we're going to talk about back-to-school hardship. We're already kind of only just finished school, but I suppose as we uh, sit into August now and slip into this month, people are going to be looking at back-to-school. Oh, absolutely, Mick. Yeah, we're, we're heading into September. Sure, it will fly now, August, and people want to be organised. And I'd like for some parents to know what they have for their kids and, you know, not be stressing out over it. Okay. So, so what I'm doing is I'm, I'm putting out an appeal there. I'm collecting um, school bags, pencils, biros, copies, um, pencil cases for boys and girls, teenagers, anything really that we can get, you know what I mean? Okay. How long are you doing this, Joseph? Well, this is my first now for the school. I did a bit myself last year, but then I said I this down on myself this year now. I said I'd make it a bit more public because you know we've been doing them these things and the selection boxes every year. Mm-hmm. So now I'm like expanding the school stuff now. Okay, people so, are being amazing and support, and you know I hope people out there don't say, "Oh, geez, he's off again looking for something." No, somebody can send something to the salon, Grace. If they can't, I appreciate that as well. You know what I mean? Okay, first of all, tell us where you are. Where is the salon? Oh, for God's sake, Mickey, you don't know where Joseph's hair salon is? I have the clue, I have no hair. Oh, mother. <laughs> and Blasheen Road. And the Blasheen Road, okay. Planners, yeah. Okay, t- 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 tell us about the ideal behind this. You're, you're uh, if I'm right, you, you don't want any child going to school feeling a little less than, than their I, friends and, and feeling like they have a little less for whatever reason. I don't. I want kids now um, to be starting school is tough enough starting without starting with less than other kids. So, um, you know, let them have their pencil cases, all the, the equipment they need to to survive the year in school. Um, you know, I not feel any way inadequate or embarrassed that they don't have things like their other friends do in school, you know what I mean? And there is a lot out there that don't make, you You know, Edel House now, being anti Edel House, they would be thrilled, you know, because um, we kind of drop in stuff there regularly and coolly reference and things like that. And, you know, there's kids in there and they will have nothing because they leave with nothing, you know what I mean? So, you know, we can drop in new stuff to them and they'll have it then for going back. Okay. Um, and, I, and I imagine it's it's not just, uh, you know, the listening public you're targeting here, but maybe there are wholesalers and purchasers of uh, large amounts of yeah. pencils yeah. and biros and school bags. Yeah, and even even 
make, you know, I've been on to my friends and things like that, I'll ask them, well, if you donate, and I'll go out there, and I went into deals the other day, and I bought loads of stuff, you know what I mean? You Loads of copies, and uh, rubbers, and all this sort of thing, you know what I mean? You know, rulers and all that, and okay. bags of stuff. Um, it's amazing what you get for 150 euros. Okay. Amazing. Um, but it's not just uh, me, Dell House, and all that. There's parents out there now that would have had it last year, don't have it this year, you know what I mean? So, so there's a lot out there that need it. Like how, how, do you, how do you channel to those in need? I know you said Edel House would be one. That's a percentage of what you take in. Do you do stuff well, personally I, for people I, as well? I would be very um, involved, like myself and a lot of people know I do do um, stuff like this. So I would be approached, first of all, and then I would be approached by different charities. And Katrina from Penny Dinners and myself are great friends. So she'd always let me know, draw or stuff this or that or whatever, you know what I mean? So it goes, first of all, it goes to the right people. And secondly, there's plenty out there that need it. Well, if, so if, if Katrina is involved, and, and I've had the pleasure of raising money for the Penny Dinners myself, I walked to a marathon in a swimming pool when I was a little bit fitter, uh, raised Katrina's, a couple of grand there. And, yeah, uh, Katrina's involved with everything I do, and, you know, I drop into Katrina on a regular basis, and we have a good relationship, and same with most most parishes around St. Vincent Paul's and all that. Anybody that wants to take in contact, you know. Okay, can I go off on a flyer here, Joe? Can I go off on a flyer? The country's feeling very good today. We're yeah. here in Cork. We're celebrating gold and uh, other uh, levels of medals at the Olympics, especially bronze from Emily as well. Yeah. And uh, it's Bank Holiday Friday as well, so people are looking towards the... Now, people should be feeling very positive today. If anyone can make a decent contribution to you, I'll be happy to call them out on air. Now, I'm, I'm not talking about dropping in a pencil or a rubber or a chipper or anything like that. If anyone can make, you know, from a business perspective, make a donation or make a decent contribution, because I, I, I can feel this is going to help so many people... Uh, to feel, Absolutely, Mick, to feel yeah. equal. Absolutely. And you know, it is a positive thing, isn't it? And, the, you know, we're coming out of COVID now. We're ringing gold. I'll probably get your gold today for doing some woman's hair. You know what I mean? It's all, it's all positivity. So let's get out there. Let's, let's embrace life and let's look after those who are less fortunate than ourselves. So Joe's Salon on the Glasheen Road, if you can make a decent contribution, there are a box of pencils, a box of rubbers, um, you know, a little raft of copy books or something like that. Even if you have to go and buy them yourself, or you want to make a, a charitable donation in cash, I suppose you can put it to good use as well. Sometimes when my staff answer the phone to say Joe Salon, I said it's not a chipper; it's Joseph's Hair Salon. How may I help you, please? <laughs> Joseph's Hair Salon. That's right. He called yeah. me Joe then. Yeah, I, actually, when I when I said the word chipper there, I, I remember causing consternation because we used to, when I grew up in Cove, um, what some people call a pearer or a pencil sharpener, we used to call a chipper. I mean, that, no, nobody in Cork kind of got it. Uh, so I'm wondering, what do, you, what do people call these things these days? Is it a chipper? Is it a pairer? Is it a pencil sharpener? Oh, I don't know. I, I call it a, a pencil sharpener. I, I mean, what would you call a snail? We at home in Tipperary call a snail a shalaki bookie. Oh, and, Did um, you ever the, hear that word? Um, what, what, what was the other one? The shalaki horn, wasn't it? Or shalaki horn? Shalaki horn was a... I don't know what he was now, but the shalaki bookie was a snail. And... My brother, Lord Amasuni, passed away a few weeks ago, was demented over the Shalikabuki smoking, um, calling up the plants and the baskets and all that eating things. And just before he died, would you believe what he was on about the Shalikabukis? And what did I do the other day? I was going for a walk, put on my runners, and what was in my runner? The Shalikabuki.
Well, that's a little message coming down from above. Isn't, isn't it, Jam? Yeah, the Shalaki Buki I haven't heard of before. Shalaki Horn yeah. or Shalaki Horn, I, I remember yeah, hearing as well. Yeah. Are, are, are there any other um, peculiarly Cork expressions out there that we can claim as our own? Um, yeah. Shalaki Buki is no one we know. Mick, I should have also written a book here or taken down things from once I opened in 19, what, 1985. The sayings and uh, the different things from the older crowd especially were hilarious, you know what I mean? Mm. Well, look, I'll put the appeal out there again. Uh, Joe, it's Joseph's Hair Salon on the Glashing Road. If you can make a decent contribution physically, uh, if you can do it financially, or you can, you want to do a school bag or pencils or biros, anything to help those who need and deserve to feel equal, uh, like every other kid, and not feel the embarrassment. And uh, they won't feel that if they have all they need going back to school. So that's the and noble you're, endeavor. You're wonderful for doing it, and Red FM and the whole lot. Thank you all very much. And no problem. There to Brenda. <laughs> no problem at all. Thank, all right, bye, bye, bye. Thanks a million, Joe. All the best. And you can keep us informed if you can make a donation there, and it will help so many people. Now, I want to read this email because it had quite the incredible effect yesterday. We got this uh, just uh, as the program came to a close yesterday, and uh, Brenda put it up on the, our social media, and the response was phenomenal. I mean, uh, well over a thousand responses. Uh, and this is the email Hi, Mick. Nice to hear you back on the airwaves today. I want to bring something to your listeners' attention and see what others think. I was in town yesterday and on my break, I work in retail. I was stopped at a set of traffic lights waiting for the green man. While waiting, I turned around and looked around the street, but something caught my eye and not in a good way. Where I was standing was in front of a bookie's. I saw the door open and what came next appalled me. A man pushing a buggy. He had obviously been in there gambling and was just coming out. How, in any case, is it acceptable to have a baby in a bookies? I thought these places were regulated and over 18s. The baby must not have been even one year old. The father didn't have a care in the world and strolled off down the street. Surely no person in their right mind will think this is okay. Love the show, said Elaine, and we have had a phenomenal reaction to that. But your calls and comments are welcome on one eight five zero one zero four one zero six or by text on 0868-104-106. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at Neil Red FM. Coming up on 25 minutes to 10, a very good morning to you and a very interesting con. Uh, communication with the program yesterday uh, by uh, Trevor Patrick, who uh, is on the... Is it Trevor or Patrick? Good morning. Trevor, Trevor how, you, how are you doing? How are things? Now, you contacted the program yesterday to say you use cash only and you don't use Correct. your phone or you don't accede to the requests in every point of sale to use plastic as much as possible. Why not? That's correct. No, before I start, I digress a small bit. For years, in butcher shops, they had chopping blocks made of wood. Then all of a sudden, they had plastic, and I asked the butcher why. Oh, they're far more hygienic and easier to sanitize. After about a year, the plastic ones were gone, and they were back to timber. And I asked him why. Oh, he said they were filthy. There was hairline cracks in that you wouldn't even see. And there was viruses and bacteria inside these cracks. So we had to get rid of them back to the timber, far more hygienic. Now... <clears throat> I don't think um, that using your mobile phone and plastic credit cards are hygienic. They're the, your phone is the dirtiest thing you can handle. I mean, there are women, particularly going to toilets, they put their phone on the floor where people are after walking with faces and urine and sputum on the bottom of their shoes. You don't see it, but there's maybe COVID inside of some of those. But when they use them inside the shops, both the card and the the um, phone, they've been assured by the government and the banks, oh, it's totally safe. 
Mm. Yes, the, the assistants inside of the stores are told sanitize after each transaction, which they don't do. So why sanitize after each transaction if they're assured that they're totally safe? Mm-hmm. Me, I use cash, and when I finish, I sanitize my hands. My hands are now perfect again. Yeah, because people would feel that cash is dirtier than plastic, wouldn't they? It's not. Plastic is filthy as well. Everything is filthy. Because we're touching things all day long. We're touching countertops, cars, door handles, whatever. Everything is filthy. So you can't trust anything. The only reason the government and the banks are shoving the um, the capitalists is to get us into a cashless society, which will destroy our country. There'd be no foxes. For instance, if you have a babysitter, Mary, and you're implying her, and it goes cashless, you'd have to pay her credit card to credit card, which no means that the revenue will flag her and they'll come along and ask her, are you registered as an employer? So you'll not have to register uh, I don't think employer. that, I don't know, Trevor, because I'm sure many young babysitters are being paid today, Revolut to Revolut or something like that. Yeah, but if you go, if you go credit card to credit card, it's traceable. Mm. So I, I, let's, let's get back to this transmission thing. Um, I, I'm, I'm reminded of a survey before when people could sit at bars. Do you remember there'd be a bowl of peanuts on the bar, kind of a courtesy bowl Correct. of peanuts? One of them was taken. One of them was taken away and examined, and, and seventeen different types of urine were found on the peanuts, because people weren't washing their hands and they were coming in and putting their hands into. And I think you're talking about the same thing. If your phone yes. goes on the floor, if it goes on a cistern where people might have been up to anything, uh, or you know the floor is definitely not going to be clean in a very busy toilet, and then you pick it up and then you pay. Uh, with the contactless machine, then the contactless machine can transmit it to the next phone or the next card. Uh, and, you know, it, it also begs the question, when you're in your local multiple supermarket and there's a big pers- perspex screen between you and the person serving, isn't it nice to know that they've touched every single thing you're bringing home as they scan it? I'm, I keep asking myself, what's the point? Well, I, I could get to that, though. When I bring my messages home, I clear my kitchen table, I spray breach on the cloth. I've been on my messages. I sanitize them from one end of the table to the other. I leave them for 10 minutes and I write them down. I wipe my hands. I wipe my car. Everything is now sanitized. I don't just take a chance. Have you noticed there's a, there's a lack of people with the flu this season? Yes. Yes, I have. Yes. And uh, that's because of all the sanitization. And talking about COVID, if you remember last year, there was 400 cases a day, 1,500 people roughly in hospital, 230 in ICU, 20 a day dying. We now have 1,300 a day. So if you go on those figures, we should have 6,000 in hospital, we should have about 700 in ICU, and we should have 60 a day dying. But there's not. Mm-hmm. There's, there's very few dying. There's very few in ICU. There's very few in hospital. So where's the pandemic on to? But we're still being told, oh, scaremongering, you know. And uh, you need a passport to get into a pub. For what? I've been going to a pub for the last four months and there's everybody in there. And I don't see anybody in that pub getting getting COVID. Oh, you, you're going inside in a pub? Outside. Outside, okay. Outside. Yeah, yeah, there's, yeah, there's no requirement to show any proof of vaccination outside. Uh, not even if you're walking yeah. in to go, go to the loo or whatever. Just put on your mask. But as, as I mentioned That's earlier true. on, that meme, that meme that went around yesterday, now I need to be double vaccinated or fully vaccinated to go into a pub. Seven months ago, all I needed was to buy a nine-euro bowl of chicken wings. Yeah, that's right, Chip. There is all about control, Mick. Nothing the, more. The, the other farcical element I, I see, and uh, I, I, I noticed that uh, the stated government policy is not being adhered to by all of the maternity hospitals in the country. Uh, but if your partner is in having a baby, uh, you have to wait in the car, even if she's miscarrying. That's very serious now. But if she's not miscarrying yes. and, and everything is going to plan, 
if she's three centimetres dilated, wait in the car. If she's four yeah. centimetres dilated, you can come in. How in the name of God is there any further COVID protection because she's an extra centimetre dilated? This needs to be addressed. It's farcical. It does. It's all about control by the government. And we as sheep are agreeing to everything they say instead of standing up for our rights. So what do you see happening? A cashless society is being, is being foisted upon us? It's been foisted on us, but we have to foist in every way. I had a credit card and I gave it back to the bank and they asked me why. I said, because I will not be party to you and the government forcing us into a cashless society. I'm worried about my children and my grandchildren, not myself. I probably won't be around, so it won't bother me. But like, if you, if you have a cashless society, look at what the hackers did to the HSE. What do you think they'll do to the banks? They'll put us into the Stone Age. And you can't stop a virus in a computer unless it's the computer, because you don't know what you're fighting. It happened in Amsterdam there last year, a year ago. Um, a bank was hacked, but, and people had no access with their cards to anything. They had to borrow from friends and from family to tie them over. It took six weeks before they got the system right. That was so in Greece, was it? Access to their cash again. That was in Greece. We've no, it was, no, it was in Holland. Okay, John agrees with you. He's on the line. Hi, John. Morning, sir. Uh, listen to the ironic girl about the credit cards and the, the cashless society because the man who never had a bank account and was leader of the country, birthday, he was pushing that at the altar. Well, well, wasn't, uh, wasn't, wasn't, wasn't the horse winnings just resting in his account? Oh, yeah, there was a lot of stuff resting in his account. Hmm. But listen, getting back to the hygiene part of the, the transactions about people handling your stuff, Tell me the, the people at the door who take my ID and check us, and then they turn and, and then, they, then, they, then they turn around and uh, they handle the next one. How come they are not sanitizing their hands? So they should be sanitizing it every time they hold a cert. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if, if you look at if you look at transmission, then John John walks up to the pub door. His his cert is physically handled and checked handed back to him, oh, then, no, but, then, then but Mary it, walks it, up to the pub door and her cert is checked well, it, and, and well, the guy's well, hands John, touch her cert. Yeah, well, this John won't be walking up to any pub door that's uh, bringing in uh, medical apartheid or any business that's bringing in medical apartheid. I won't support any part of that. There's a lot of bars oh. that could have opened for indoor service, I think have uh, decided not to, about 30% of them. And a lot of that is down to uh, discomfort, can I say, uh, about what you're calling no, maybe... No, no they, they, they realise that they have no right whatsoever to ask anybody about their medical uh, history or any part of their medical makeup. This, this, this has been pushed down people's throats by, by the government. We now have a situation. Now, they're now chasing pregnant women. And I remember when all this medical stuff came out in 2019, uh, women who are pregnant, women who are nursing, and women who are trying to get pregnant were told not to take any, anything. So, as a matter of fact, women have been taught down through the ages that you shouldn't take a glass of wine if you are pregnant. Now, all of a sudden, they want to push an experimental drug on you. Listen, the whole thing has gone out of, gone out of uh, kilter, and uh, unless the people uh, wake up to what's going on. So you're not, you're not inclined to carry your papers to gain entry to a premises? No. I don't have any papers to show anybody. I've got a passport, I've got a driver's license. I've got what I need. And I won't be frequenting any business that would be wanting to know my business. My business with them and my transaction is that they supply a good and I, and I pay for it. And okay. that's it. 
but there, it is all the sort. There is, and I'm, I'm not sure, Trevor, John, if, if you're aware of this. There, there are bars being trolled now on social media, being given very, given very bad reviews uh, by people who disagree with them opening, uh, because as as they think, and as you say, uh, they consider it medical apartheid, and there are they are targeting bars who have opened inside. Now, on one side, the bars have been closed, most of them for, for 15 months, and they need yeah, and, they need yeah, the turnover. And, and, and the people support the, the, the restaurants and by, by eating outside, we've done everything that we could to accommodate them. And then as soon as they got the, the bit between their teeth, they went back and they followed the government's uh, instruction and screw the people who support them. Well, if that's their attitude, let's, let the government and, and, and the people who work for the government, let them support them. But you can't, you, surely you can't castigate a bar who has no outside area to serve, who's been closed for the best part of 15 months, uh, who yeah, need, just, needs to open yeah. inside, and, and yeah, who has to follow there. government rules. No, he don't have to follow government rules. No, but you see, they were all threatened that when their licenses would come up for renewal, that the Gardaí would object to them, which was bullying, which they can't do, because you're entitled to a fair hearing in any court. Your license just can't be scratched off because you didn't comply with a regulation. It's not a law. It's a regulation that they brought in because we still have a constitution in this country that can only be changed by a referendum by the people voting for us. What, what do you make of, uh, of the Google moves in America to say, and, and now uh, Biden as well, President Biden is saying that federal workers will have to be vaccinated. There is going to be a certain overlap of, of, um, of human rights here. Uh, because you are, by effect of coming into the office, telling everyone that you're fully vaccinated. And if you're not coming into the office, uh, your personal medical um, yeah, situation and who, is and, being revealed. And who, who, who's, who's Biden taking these structures from? Anthony Fauci, is it? The man who denied knowing anything about what was going on in Wuhan, yet he was contributing money to it under Obama's regime? So Joe Biden don't know if he left hand from his right hand at the moment. Where are you going with this, Trevor? Where, are you going to frequent any premises until it's all equal? Well, I have frequented a, a few premises for the last three or four months. In fact, four or five days ago, I frequented the premises indoors. I was asked for my name, I was asked for my phone number, and I was not asked for my cert, which I would not give, even though I have one. I refuse to be part of it. I'll drink outdoors. And if, the, if I have to drink outside where there's no umbrella, I'll bring my own umbrella. Okay, John, I will not allow the government to take to me. John, would you give your, your name, your, show your photo ID and your phone number to a premises and go inside if you weren't asked to produce medical evidence? I wouldn't tell him what time, I wouldn't tell him what way the hands in the clock go around. It's none of their business. Okay, so you wouldn't even give your ID to go in? No, no. And, and in, no. The, in, in, in the concept of furthering better public health, you wouldn't give your name and contact number? What, what, what better public health? We, 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 we were lied to down through the whole thing. We had a two-week call that nobody, that the people who were trying to run it didn't understand this. We have five or six different uh, organizations telling the people about this, that, and everything. You have a man that was involved that lied to women over, over cervical cancer, and people are still listening to him. All people right, John. People want to wake up. People want to wake up. Thanks, John. Listen, stay with, stay with us, Trevor. I want to finish up uh, because you did bring the topic up. Kieran, good morning. Okay. Hi, Kieran. Hello, there. How are you? Not too bad. You think you're all, uh, it's all under control as well, do you? Oh, it's, it's nothing else but down to control, nothing else. How can a provisional government be sitting inside a uh, place in Dublin? A provisional government can't uh, 
they, they can't put anything on people. Nothing on people. Because they're a provisional government. Statutes and acts are not available unless they're consented to. How do you mean and provisional government? What do you mean provisional government? Uh, they're only a provisional government. They're not a real government. Why not? They're only a provisional government put in there. Statutes and acts are not available. An act is not a law. It's the same as a road traffic act. It's null and void. I don't know why people don't go digging a hole and see what's going on out there. So well, are you... I'm flogged over, I'm flogged over, and people are a nation's sheep sitting down what's being thrown at them. It's nothing but bare-faced lies. I've no COVID cert, I've no injection got, and I won't be get it. I die roaring before I take it. And what about those who have so died I'm roaring? I'm not going to be controlled. Okay. It's not happening. What about those who have died from COVID? I, I don't believe a word of it. I know a lot of people that have died who don't away themselves and has put down as COVID. Okay, but I've what about... I've even been talking to an undertaker. I've even spoken to an undertaker last week and he told me, you just would not believe what's going on out there. In what way? What's being written down. I know a man. I was in a yard one time. This is going back a good bit ago now. Just going back six or seven months ago, and I was in the yard. I won't say where I was now. Please and don't his there. I was doing a job for a man. And we were going in having the breakfast early in the morning. And he never came in. We went out to see what the story was. He was outside in the yard after dropping dead after getting a massive heart attack. Massive. Guards were out and all the rest of They were only laughing at this. It's, it's, a, it's another one we don't have to watch. This is the attitude that's out there at the moment. And uh, the wife says, uh, what are you going to put this down as? And she says, hold on, we'll have to bring a doctor first. And the doctor who came knew exactly what this man had. The doctor rubs his two hands with glee. Rubs his two hands with glee. And says, I ain't putting this down as COVID. Why would he be rubbing his hands in glee? Because he's getting money to, he's getting money to rub, uh, he's getting money to put down COVID on any sort. Oh, that's, that's news to me. All right. It's all down to money. Nothing else. All right, Karen. Listen, thanks for that. I'm, I'm, All the pharmaceuticals are cleaning up. I know a man who has shares. He won't have to work anymore because he shares. He shares in a big pharmaceutical company. He said he'll never again have to work because of the increase in the value of the shares. Is it? Yes. Uh, all right, Kieran. Listen, I want to finish with Trevor because I've got to take a commercial break. You're not going to be using plastic or phones. You'll continue with cash. You'll continue to sanitize, Trevor. Will you? That's correct, and I think that keeps me safe. And as a friend of mine who's a doctor said, he's not worried about how contagious this disease is. He's worried about how dangerous it is. It's not dangerous at the moment. There's nobody dying hardly of it. Nobody. Okay, so it can be contagious to a degree if it's not dangerous. Yeah. Uh, then, then it's like the flu. Um, but well, if it is very, very dangerous, then any level of contagion is a worry. Yes, but then if you have an underlying factor for anybody, if they get the flu, get any disease, it's dangerous to them. All right, cashless society, um, it's, it's inexorably coming towards us, I think. I, I think cash will always be there. I do feel for the buskers, Trevor, and I do feel for those in the, in the hospitality area, you know, who are, people aren't as inclined to leave tips on uh, their card as they would be to maybe just give spare change in their pocket. Nobody's carrying cash anymore to, uh, to, you know, tip the buskers or tip the hospitality staff. That's going to be a problem for them. Yes, definitely. All right, thanks a million, Trev. 
Okay, thanks, Mick. Talk to you. Thanks. Bye-bye. Okay, now then, let's give uh, another mention to our Free Food Friday. It's Oak Fire Pizza, real wood fire pizza now in Douglas, Clonakilty, Bandon, Princess Street and Gill Abbey Street. The new store opened in East Village in Douglas. Text lunch where you're working and how many of you are there to 086-8104-106. You must put lunch before it so we can uh, sort out the... uh, uh, the text, as it were, and put them into the proper uh, draw machine for the end of the programme. And uh, we will be sending vouchers, four pizzas and two sides to three winners towards the end of the programme. So get those texts coming in 086-8104-106 for Oak Fire Pizza, Real Wood Fire Pizza in Douglas, Clannacilty, Bandon, Princess Street and Galabi Street on Free Food Friday. Text the Neil Brenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Five minutes to ten o'clock, some uh, quick texts on the uh, kids in the bookies email we had, and this is some of the reaction. Isn't that shocking behavior? I'm so fed up with people thinking it's okay to behave like this. You know what you should have done? Mind your own business. The poor fellow was probably in the bookies with the baby for a couple of minutes. You're very judgmental, Elaine. It must be hard being so perfect all the time, says Gillian. I went into the bookies when my daughter was about two months old, just to do the lotto. And I was told she wasn't allowed in as it's over 18s. I turned around and said, oh yeah, because she's placing a bet at two months old, said Pauline. Would he have been better off leaving the baby outside? No, there's absolutely nothing in a bookies that is in any way harmful or likely to influence a one-year-old. And since you walked past and looked in, how do you know he was in there any more than five minutes? Here's a suggestion. Mind your own business or worry about kids and pets left in hot cars where there's actual danger, says Ed. That's a good point. Uh, There is no smoke or any of that uh, unhealthy stuff in there anymore. Uh, What is the issue of having a one-year-old in there? Uh, They're not that impressionable at that age anyway. I go in there all the time to do my lotto, and if I have one of my grandchildren, I bring them in with me. Seriously, have you nothing else to be worried about, says Kim. Wow, one of the man's partner and mother of said child was working a long, hard day in the bookies, and the man called in to see her. Mind your own business. I'm sick of people judging others. What right have you or anyone else to question what someone else is doing? Live your own life and let the others live theirs in the way they want, says Sharon. Unless the baby was putting 50 euros down on trap six, I'd say it's not going to do much damage, Elaine. So says Owen. Get over yourself, is another text. It's uh, called Mind Your Own Business. I'm sure he can manage to take care of his child without the likes of you judging him, says D. If, uh, if I had a child, I'd have no problem with my dad bringing them into the bookies. Uh, said Sarah, and I work in a bookies. Elaine is right. Kids are not allowed into the shop. More than likely, he was asked to leave without getting a bet on. That's what we do. It's the law, says Erica. We have news at 10 on the way. Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from 4 for Dave Max Drive, where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features, and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from 4. Dave Max Drive. 104 to 106 Red FM. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. And a very good morning to you. This is Mick Mulcahy in for Neil. Neil returns on Wednesday after an extended long weekend. The digital search helpline to give it out again is 1-800-8515-04. If you have any issue with your digital cert, uh, the helpline is 1-800-8515-04. And now they've added a new number as well. It's 1-800-807-008. 1-800-807-008. Our number, our text number for the Free Food Friday is 086-8104-106, our regular text line. It's for Oak Fire Pizza. It's real wood fire pizza in Douglas, Clonakilty, Bandon, Princess Street and Gill Abbey Street. Well, of course, that new store just opened in the East Village in Douglas and the pizza is amazing. We're going to have three winners. We do every Friday. Each winner will receive four pizzas and two 
sides and uh, we'll send these out to you in a nice socially distanced fashion and safe fashion and uh, all you need to do is text us the word lunch that's the most important thing uh, and then of course the next most important thing is who you are and uh, where you're working how many people are there short comment uh, if you like okay so it's our free food Friday you can get texting now lunch plus where you are where you're working how many people are there to 086 106 now to matters uh, of a serious nature and John on line 2 good morning John Morning, Mick. Now, I heard your interview with Neil, uh, which was uh, on Wednesday. And uh, I have to say, I, I just can really, really feel for the harrowing situation you're in. Can you just briefly recap on what happened, um, you know, with your 81-year-old mum uh, and with what's happening now in the CUH? Right, Mick. Uh, mum was admitted by ambulance to the CUH on the early hours of last Saturday morning, approximately 5.30 a.m. She was brought to A&E and later transferred upstairs to a ward. Now, we were able to speak to them on her mobile phone. That was, that was our line of communication to her. Um, we could not communicate whatsoever with the ward she was in. Uh, the main reception were transferring us up to the ward, but no one up there was answering the phone. Now, after a while, we did get onto someone, and they said they couldn't speak to us, that we'd have to speak to a doctor. Uh, on three different occasions, they took my name and number. They promised that they would get a doctor to ring me. No doctor rang me. Um, my sister, who would be mom's main contact, if you like, her name and phone number is on mom's chart at the end of her bed. Mm-hmm. Right? No one contacted her. So on Wednesday, I suppose out of despair, really, my brother went to the COH uh, informed security that he was going to hold a sit-down protest at the reception area and he was going to stay there until such time as a doctor came down and spoke to him. Now, this was totally non-aggressive, Mick. It was going to be just totally peaceful. He's just going to sit down and do nothing else. Security asked him, could they make a phone call, which they did. And I think my brother said within 18 minutes, there was a doctor downstairs talking to him. Now, the doctor apologised. He said he never got any messages and he promised that he would keep the lines of communication open. It may not be every day, but certainly every second day. And my brother said, look, could you do one favour for us? He said, could you just make sure that mum's phone is charged because, you know, she's in bed. She she just can't do it herself, Mick, you know? Mm-hmm. So he said, yeah, not about it. He says, I'll do that. Now, that was Wednesday. We've heard absolutely nothing since. Mom's phone is dead since Wednesday. None of us have spoken to her since Wednesday. And at this stage, it's just despairing, Mick. You know, it's it's soul-destroying. Okay. So we are not pointing the finger at the nurses and doctors in the CUH because God knows, Mick, the last 18 months they've gone through enough, right? But this is HSE and government policy. Like, it's, it's, it's staff recruitment. It's, you know, there's 101 different things that you can point the finger at the HSE and government. So I just want to make it clear that we're not blaming the nurses and doctors up there. Okay. Under what public health guidelines do you think you are being refused access? I know there are overriding, overarching principles at play here. And I know that, you know, keeping the staff safe, keeping other patients safe is is paramount here. And, and you know, you must recognise those ideals. But you've got an 81-year-old mother who now doesn't have any charge in her phone who could possibly be thinking, and I hate to say it, that she's been abandoned by you. when the oh, op- you put out a doubt, Mick. Without a doubt, she she probably feels that we've just abandoned her up there, which is not the case, you know. But like, look, Mick, I've said to Neil on air, right? We fully respect the guidelines. 
okay? And we were not looking for special treatment and we were not looking to actually visit mom because we understand we can't. But all we wanted was a line of communication with the medical team that someone would keep in touch with us and let us know what's going on with mom. Or at the very least, like, a charged phone so she could she could speak to you directly. Yeah, no, Mick, I know, look, nurses and doctors up there, look, I said, look, they're not being paid to charge phones, but look, I know. just, you know, you know, it was just one small favour that we asked them to do so that we could speak to mum, you know? So but now you, you're, you're, you're in day six. It's been, it's, it's, if I remember the interview, um, you were told, first of all, your mother had been discharged. And that was the wrong, right. that was the wrong term to give you. Uh, she, yeah. she, she was discharged from A&E and admitted to a ward. Um, That's right, so yeah. you, you were instantly worried that, that somebody had discharged your 81-year-old mum with none of you around. Um, and, and then when she's up in the ward, you were successfully able to speak to her while the phone battery lasted. Correct. But now this elderly member of our society, who, who more than likely has paid more than her fair share of dues into the system, is now totally abandoned. You can't get access to her, you can't communicate with her, and nobody is talking to you about her. Exactly, Mike. That's it in a nutshell. Okay, we're going, no, to cut, um, we're, we're going to cut this audio immediately you're finished, immediately you're off the air, John, okay? And we're going to send it to the HSE. So, if you want to make a direct plea, do it now. Yeah, just look on behalf of my mother and, and, and her family, I'm just pleading now at this stage with someone from the HSE to get in contact with COH and say, look, can you please at least plug in this lady's phone make sure it's turned on so that her family can communicate with her. Um, it's not asking for a lot. So, look, we'd appreciate it if you could do it. Thank okay. you. You're very, very gentle on the whole thing, I have to say. You, you know, you're, you're not showing the stress to me. I know you must be feeling it, John. Believe you me, Mick, if I could say what I'm really feeling, Red FM could be shut down. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, I'm just boiling inside, Mick, and so are my other, uh, my, my brothers and my sister. We're okay. absolutely boiling over this. You, you, like, can, you Mick, can go I, to... I'm not going to turn this into a political thing now, Mick, like, but, I mean, you go back... Uh, it was a 2008, 2009, when they tried to take the medical cards off the, off the, the pensioners, right? Mm -hmm. The streets were filled, they surrounded the doll, right? Go back to the water protests. And um, the streets were filled with people. I think maybe it's about time now that people got back on the streets with our health system. It's, it's a shambles, Mick. And you know what? What hit home to me, right, is that you only realise how bad it is when it knocks at your own front door. You know, and I know there are thousands of families around the country that are in the same position as us. And maybe it's time now for people just to, you know, enough is enough. You can go to a pub, you can go to a cinema, you can go to a restaurant, you can go shopping, you can go to a gym. But one family member can go to into the hospital to reassure an elderly parent that her family have not abandoned her. Uh, I mentioned in yeah. the last hour, uh, your partner could be miscarrying in the hospital. You're getting text updates in the car. Your yeah, partner must be four centimetres dilated before you're left in. Uh, at three centimetres, you can't be left in. That's it, It's inhumane, Mick. You know, it's, it's, it's not right. Like, I mean, you, you wouldn't treat an animal like that. Okay. You know, and it's, it's just, I don't know, despairing now at this stage, you know? Okay, here, here's a little indicator as to how broken the system is and to how good-hearted people are who are struggling inside the system, right? A porter in the CUH just called us. He is now going to go to her ward. He's going to plug in the phone to charge it. 
because we gave her name and what ward she's in. So he's going to get that much done for us. Now we're appealing to the HSE to allow at least one member, and if it's only one nominated member, be it your sister, isn't that enough that she can she can be a conduit of comfort and a conduit of information to the worried family and be some level of reassurance to your mum and side? Mick, it doesn't matter, like, as long as one of us, you know, and we would greatly appreciate that. Like, we're not looking for all four of us to go up there, just one. And if it's only for 10 minutes, Mick, just to, you know, make sure mum is okay and right. hopefully speak to a, a member of our team, you know? John, I really feel for you. I, I think, I do really feel in my heart that this interview we've done, because we're going to send it on, uh, is going to have some ramifications, it's going to have some positive effect, I hope. Hopefully, Mick, hopefully. Can, can I ask that you stay in touch with us, even if that's on Tuesday when we're back on air, just to see how things have developed. But the, the spotlight that the power of the Neil Prendeville show can shine on a case will hopefully uh, resolve this situation. But I do feel for other people who are in the same predicament as you. Yeah, Mick, we're we're not the only ones. We know that, you know, we're we're, we're nothing special. Like there's there's, as I said, thousands of families up and down the country in the same boat as us. You know, so you know, maybe time, maybe it's time to say enough is enough. You know, I know you're trying to do it gently, but what's I mean, what's next? The, a hunger strike at the front door? Well, Mick, there's a, a lot of things have crossed our minds. You know, um, I don't I don't know, Mick. You know, it's something that we're going to have to sit down as a family. If nothing changes today, you know, it's something that we're going to have to sit down and talk about. And, mm. you know. You, you'd wonder you know, sometimes where, where the humanity and the common sense have gone in this whole equation. Uh, and once again, we're not pointing any fingers at the frontline staff who are working under. No, definitely not. Incredible pressure over the last 18 months or so. Yeah. Um, a texture says there must be healthcare assistance on those wards that surely could help. Um I suppose it's nobody's job to uh, to make sure your mother's phone is charged. That's something uh, that her children would do if they were allowed to visit. Exactly, Mick. You see, this this, this is where it's broken. Like, I mean, we can't go up to see her. Like, if we could go up to see her, right? We could make sure all the, all these things are done. We could bring her up clean clothes, fresh, you know, whatever she needs. We could bring up to her, mm-hmm. and physically hand to her. But like, our hands are tied. We can't go near the place. Hopefully you'll be speaking to her later today and hopefully we'll, with the, with the HSE intervention, if they choose to act, with something can be done because common sense needs to start prevailing here. Exactly, exactly. All right. So listen, Mick, thanks a million. Um, yourself, Brendan, the team, you've been excellent and Neil. So look, we greatly appreciate it and hopefully some good will come out of this. John, please stay in touch, will you? Will we'll do, Mick. No bother, right? Thanks a million. Thanks a million. You can uh, call us on one eight five zero one zero four one zero six, and you can text 086-8104-106. And uh, we have some Free Food Friday mentions that uh, we can do right now. Free Food Friday for all the gang at Intrust Communications, Marina Commercial Park. Loving the show and listening to it every day without fail. Free Food Friday for everyone at Cork's brand new boutique gym, Power located at the Dean Hotel. Uh, Free Food Friday for Niall and all the gang and Safety Tech Fire. We love the show. Can you say a big hello to all the crew in Alter Domus in the airport business park? We'd love pizza for lunch. We're moving office and we've no lunch facilities. I make the gang down in Doyle Shipping Group in Tivoli. Would love some free pizza for lunch, please. And all working in the clothes horse dry cleaners in Carrie Tool would love the pizza. It's been a long, long week. Uh, lunch, please, for Karen and her colleagues in O'Donovan's Life Pharmacy in Ballyfehan. They've been working through the pandemic and would like to share some oak fire pizza. Lunch, please, for all your loyal listeners at Joe's Edge Hair Salon in Blarney. Free Food Friday, please. Uh, luxurious melts. 
Mm, we are based in the Glen and are up the walls getting ready for our first market event on Sunday in Blackrock Village. Lunch, please, for the COMH Fetal Assessment Unit, uh, nominated by Helen Dunlee. I don't work there, but want to send them a special thank you for the great care they gave me last Wednesday. They are so caring and supportive. Lunch for Eric and the lads at Pro Valley in Mahon Point. Shout out to D. Canny's Garage in Brownlow's Yard. Uh, I'm texting in from Clearstream over on the Navigation Square. We are Team A and we're working very hard to meet our end of month targets. Of course, today being the last day of the month, some free pizza uh, would enlighten the move and drive us on to meet those goals. Tomorrow's the last day of the month. What am I saying? Uh, hi Mick, can you please give a free Food Friday shout out to the hardworking staff at EBO Home Rescue and BCE Consulting Engineers at the Marina Commercial Park. Lunch please to sub- Sub-Zero uh, Chirotherapy in the Grand Parade. Wow, that sounds interesting. Um, doesn't that make you live forever? I'm only joking. Sub-Zero Chirotherapy in the Grand Parade. Uh, lunch Free Food Friday, please. SBGI in Cork City for Marlene and Liam Oog and all their staff from Vince Conroy. Pizza, please, for all the hardworking staff at Union Hall, Smoked Fish. Uh, Sarah Harris and uh, all the staff working hard in Ballyfehan Health Centre. Georgia Regan Euro Car Parts in the Dukloin industrial estate. Uh, this is like a microcosm of Cork society. They're coming in from all angles and all walks of life for our free food Friday with Oak Fire Pizza. All the gang at shopincork.ie would love this prize. We're launching our new site. Uh, well, you got the plug in there for it, shopincork.ie. All the vets and nurses at Riverview Vets in Carrigaline working hard with all the cats and dogs and deserving of a free lunch. That's from Angela. The staff in East Village, everyone has worked really hard getting ready for reopening and all deserve a nice treat. River Lane Social Club is on Blarney Street and we have three more. We are here in Trebolgan in the maintenance department and would love pizza. It's hungry work looking after this big holiday park. Lunch, please, at Santry's Pharmacy in Washington Street. We're working hard as usual. There are four of us working today and listening as always. I'd like to win the free lunch with my work colleagues at Noonan's in Farrenley Nursing Home. We worked very hard during COVID where the home had some mass, had some people uh, dealing with COVID and we all worked hard as a team during the difficult times. And that is thanks from Sinead. 21 and a half minutes past 10 now. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. And on line two, Paddy O'Brien, who's an advocate for the elderly. Good to speak to you again, Paddy. How are you? Good morning, Mick. Now, this story is absolutely appalling. It's just a disgrace. You and, must, you um, must get I, many complaints, Paddy, about this type I of get thing. Lo- lo- I get lots of complaints. And what I want to do is this now. I want to say publicly, make an announcement over your program to all the politicians at home. Pick up the phone and do something. You're on holidays for the last three weeks. Do something. You must have heard the program last last Friday. But that man, but a broken heart, his brother and his and his sister, that they're up and down to that hospital. And then this year, that any son had to go up and do a silent protest is appalling. The hatred, they should be ashamed of themselves. And that doctor, who that, that, that he should be fired. He should lose his job and count to that. To treat any man that way. I'd ask your listeners now at this point of time, visualize your own mother in a hospital. What action would you take? Many of them would not take a silent action. They'd go up, just my mother, I would walk up, go to the hospital, where they go, and that's it. Um, John, it comes over as a real, real gentleman. They do not deserve to be treated like this. He's highlighting cases. There were many people involved. I know I'm hearing cases, I can't say it over the phone, but there has to be more, 
more attention paid to elderly people. Um, yesterday was an announcement, an alliance of some of the country's most prominent organisations for the elderly, they claimed, that the ageism had not been so prevalent, the effects of the pandemic on older people had been less severe. There's not enough being done for the elderly in this country. It's all talk, talk from politicians. I repeat, they must have heard the programme last Friday. But they sit back and forget about it. But was anything else done? The phone complaining, complaining, uh, complaining. It is an appalling situation. My heart goes out to that family now at this point in time. And I'm asking that that, that porter, the porter who takes it upon himself to go up to, up to the, the ward and say something. Have we come to the stage now that if we have an elderly parent in hospital, that we don't contact the doctors and nurses, that the doctors ignore the people, that we must depend on a porter, a porter. And I'm calling publicly on the, the manager, Mr. O'Callaghan, at the, at the, the chief executive of, of, of the CUH, to look into this appalling situation. Something has to stop. They can't continue on treating people this way. We must have compassion. We must have respect and consideration for the elderly people. I can't. I, I just can't. Since the last Friday, I've been thinking of that family. And I was hoping during the week something would happen. I fully intended ringing, ringing Brenda this morning. What, what, what was the follow-up? And when I heard you introduce him, I said, thank God, that's good news. No, there wasn't but good I'm news. Shocked. I'm shocked. You have to appreciate that families reserve, if you like, Paddy. And other people would be getting a little more aggressive. But then you also have to think of those who probably wouldn't ring a programme such like this. So, such as the Neil Prendival yeah, show, and are suffering well, 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 in I silence. Saying, I am saying the people that I, I would know, and I would quite honestly, I would do it myself. I would do it myself. If my mother, my late mother was in a hospital, and I was being treated this way, I would take it upon myself to get to that ward. I mean, we stop and think, that this family, this decent family, John, his brother, and his sister, and look, he keeps on saying they're not looking for any special attention. It's incredible and hard to believe if we heard, if we read it on a, a foreign newspaper that it happened abroad, which is in this awful. All they want to know, they, all they asked that doctor last week was to plug in the telephone, charge them, and, and that couldn't be done. Mm-hmm. I mean, is this the level of care now we're getting our el- elderly people in this country? Uh, every politician comes on to speak about the elderly, elderly, but straight, straight out, that, there's nothing to be done to the elderly. There is nothing, nothing we've done for the elderly. What, what are your feelings about, and I hate the term, uh, what, what's your feelings about the term cocooning and, and, and what the 70-plus-year-olds uh, were put through last year? I, I know well, it, it, it was for a, it was, it was for a noble cause, if you like, I have to been protect speaking them. out since last year, and I, I don't like that word. I know where the word came from. I mean, I just think it's open. I've never used it. I would just call it isolation. And what happened to people last March, March 2021, was that a lot of people uh, experienced depression for the first time. People were locked in their own homes like prisoners, no contact. They adhered to all the restrictions announced by the, 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 the government. They stayed indoors. They couldn't cut the mask. The church stayed away from them. And that was the worst experience of their life. And I'm saying this now to family members. If you have an elderly parent, an elderly mother, an elderly father, take care of them, mind them, because mm-hmm. they are still suffering as a result of what they went through. And we heard yesterday, and Paddy, that, that the elderly and those entitled to free travel are being sidelined in favour of those who can afford to pay online. 
uh, and yeah, have yeah. to suffer a very difficult process to buy online themselves or to reserve online themselves if they have eligibility for free travel. Yeah, I know. I know. There's, I mean, uh, to, to whatever I was saying, they're both they they've been 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 isolated in the home. They elderly, uh, they elderly, um, adhere to all the rules and regulations, and that they, they deserve to be treated better. And I'm telling you for the third time, politicians are listening to this program. For God's sake, have a bit of heart, sober Christian charity, as the word I use, mm-hmm. and prevent this family from suffering anymore. Get get to the, get find out who the family is in question. They get and get a true brand. They tell one number, and that's it. I mean, how many more cases around the mind the Ireland or on Cork are, are traveling or are was? Paddy, we've, we've gotten a text on the subject that I'd like to read to you, please. Um, sure. and, and it goes like this. Hi, I'm just listening to the radio, Revisitors in Hospitals. I'm a nurse in an acute Cork hospital in a ward that has a lot of geriatric patients, a lot of which have dementia. Can I just say that as nurses, we are crying out to have visitors allowed. It is higher management and the HSC that won't allow it. We are the ones trying to soothe both upset patients and their stressed family members on top of a health system that is already in serious crisis. Our nurses have uh, severely burnt out over the last year and it's really difficult to listen to the constant abuse some family members give you over not being able to visit. Please don't blame the nurses and don't take it out on us. We're doing our best to be uh, a stand-in family to our patients on top of doing our medical job. We are all behind visitor restrictions lifting. Doesn't that say something? I, I agree what that nurse has said because the nurses don't make any decisions whatsoever. It's the top medical people there. And one thing that I said to that nurse and I would ask her please, I think people should not refer to elderly as geriatrics. Okay. Now the situation is this. It's probably the professional term. I don't think she would have meant anything derogatory by oh, it. Oh, I know that, but I don't. And I was a, a cock geriatrician I heard many, many years ago saying this, that we should refer to the elderly as uh, el, el, elderly. Just, I'm away from the point. The thing is that with nurses are doing their level best. I was in hospital last year for a length of time and I could say how hard nurses work, how hard they work. But the, 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 the rules are being made. It's, I think blanket rules are being made to cover everything in the hospital. No visitors, no visitors. And I'm just, if a person came to me and told me that problem, if, I mean, I just get people to my house to hold him with problems. And I think if John came to my house, I mean, I, I find it hard to believe it. And then I find it very hard to believe that they met a doctor who uh, all they asked them was put in a, um, a, a, a battery charger, what it was, charge the battery, so the, the mother could speak to her sons or vice, or vice versa, and that's not done. It's just awful, awful, awful. And again, I'm saying my heart was with those people. Any person listening to this call would have a mother or father, a mother or father in hospital, they would, they, they would take, they would take a different approach. Honestly, I think they're a real nice family, not causing any problem. Last year, last week on Niles program, and uh, on three occasions, and again on your program today, Mick, uh, John said, we are not looking for any attention. All we want is to say, hear that our mother's voice, that we can speak to on the telephone, and that's not too much. Okay, there's a big headline in the front of the mail today, Paddy. COVID-19, it's plateauing. HSE Chief Paul Reid said the vaccine rollout is on the final furlong, and he praised the remarkable national uptake of jabs for slowing down the pace of the current wave. If that's the case, why can't they address the very needy humanitarian issues around uh, visitors in hospitals, and especially in the maternity setting? 
Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, they're opening their bars and their restaurants. The church is going to open again. Why? Um, I mean, I, I was... Um, the, the nursing homes... I had an announcement on the nursing homes were to open on the 19th of July to all visitors and that to nominate a person was going to go away. But, but, but that didn't happen. And you still have to make an appointment to get into a, get into a, a visit in a nursing home today. Um, you just can't get go in your in your own uh, time. Um, I think that more attention must be paid to elderly people in hospital. They're not just elderly people; they're they're a, a person, they're a person. They want to get better. They want to go home, and they can't be treated. They just cannot, cannot, cannot be treated in this appalling, deplorable fashion. And it's hard to believe that that any family would be treated this way. All right, Patty. I keep on thinking. I keep on thinking about this doctor man who came downstairs. Yeah, and I promised, yep. Yeah, and promised everything would be. promised that he would do that he wouldn't even do that. Not, not, say, not, not his job, but he made a promise. Yeah, not him. I want, all I would say finally, God help the patients in hospital. Paddy, thanks very much. Paddy O'Brien, advocate for, for the elderly. And of course, the texts are flying on this topic. COH is not a prison. I know if it was my mother, nothing would stop me from getting in to make sure she's okay, says one texter. I totally agree with John, says another. I had the same experience recently. We couldn't drop in, uh, drop up clean clothes or toiletries to my mother. We had to wait for a nurse to ring a family member. It was so stressful and heartbreaking. I can't come on air. That's from Rose. And Mary phoned in. Her dad was in a nursing home and fell ill and was moved to Mallow Hospital. One person per patient was allowed in for 20 minutes only. Mary said it's one rule for them and another in CUH. She thinks it's terrible that it isn't the same across the board. And there are certain hospitals who are, uh, they seem to be flying a solo run when it comes to certain directives uh, from government and the HSE. Once again, I mentioned that not all hospitals, I think CUMH is now and Galway is uh, in the maternity setting uh, adhering to the relaxed visitor rules. But not all of them are. And you'd wonder why uh, or if the tail is wagging the dog. Uh, we got a text on a digital cert. Hi, my daughter got her vaccine on the 11th of July. She still hasn't received her cert. I've rang the phone line several times and the waiting time has been over two hours on the three occasions. I just couldn't stay on any longer due to other commitments. My daughter's travelling around Europe before going to college in the Netherlands at present and needs the cert urgently as it's causing a lot of hassle for her. Can anyone help me to get this cert sorted urgently? Anyone at all? I would greatly appreciate this to be mentioned on the radio and brought to the attention of the HSC. Regards, says Eileen. And okay, we're going to read another email now, and this is a pretty harrowing subject, the subject of abortion. Mick, I am absolutely disgusted with the piece taken out uh, of the new documentary on uh, the 8th being shown on Irish TV. Okay, they got abortion legalized in Ireland. The piece they are showing on the TV, obviously, it's taken from the documentary of women smiling and making comments that would only turn your stomach. You would think these women had won the lottery. They were so jubilant. Do people not realize abortion is the taking of human life? I understand some babies will not live after, after their birth, and that must be something awful for any human being to go through. People being raped, having abortions. So I understand these people did not want a baby. But what other crime is there on this earth that an innocent victim is the one who is killed? We are supposed to be human beings, but some of us act like animals. I hear people talking about cruelty to animals and looking for us to become vegans. These very same people would be the first to have an abortion. I'm writing this not because I'm angry, but more because I'm sad to think people celebrate the taking of a human life. And the thing is, the life that's being taken doesn't even have a voice. The most innocent, vulnerable in society we kill. And uh, to it, worse women smile 
uh, and to it worse, uh, that doesn't make English sense, but I read it anyway, worse, women smile and think this is a victory. Uh, it's strange that the first official figures given out on abortion in Ireland after it was made legal, uh, here it was that 6,666 babies were killed in one year. Women take offence when you say abortion is killing a human being. Uh, then they try to defend it by saying it's not a baby, it's a bunch of cells. Okay, then let's take some cells out of your brain and see just how important cells are. A baby isn't a baby until it's born. Now, that really frightens me. Uh, so in these women's opinion, you can kill a baby the day before it's born because it's not after a breath of fresh air. Mick, if you told me 25 years ago all the changes that would happen in this country, I would have laughed at you. Please don't celebrate the fact that it is now legal to kill an innocent baby here in Ireland. And that's simply signed, Pat. And uh, speaking of hospitals, one 82-year-old Cork man is walking 10 kilometres a day to raise funds for Canturk Hospital. And uh, they've raised 10,000 already. And to talk about that on line six, we've got Anna Collins. Hi, Anna. Hi, morning, Mick. How are you? Very good. Here's a positive uh, twist to the morning. Your dad is Con Collins. He's 82 years young. That's correct. He's, 80, he's affectionately known as Corny Collins. Corny. Cornelius. Well, it's Con Corny he'd be known as. Okay, Con Corny. And he's <laughs> yeah. walking 10 kilometres a day around his hometown of Newmarket. That's correct for, for Kentor Community Hospital. Okay. And my uh, mother is a resident there. She's been there for the last three and a half years. And she's got tremendous care there as all of the other residents do. And if any of them are listening, I'd like to say hello to everybody. Well, good morning to everybody. If, if uh, anyone's listening in Canturk Hospital, staff or patient, then a uh, very good morning from the Neil Prendival Show to you. Yeah. So, um, Dad decided that he wanted to do something for the hospital. And since COVID started, he, because his normal routine was thrown out, so he started doing walking every day. And he was going up to 10 or 12 kilometres each day. And he decided he wanted to do this for the hospital to thank them for the wonderful care they've taken of my mother and all the other residents, mm-hmm. but especially during COVID. Um, they were tremendous. Not one patient was affected by COVID uh, for the whole pandemic. And they treated all the patients, plus my mother, with the most amazing care, letting us know what was going on, FaceTime calls, we could ring any time, some vague visiting through windows if, if they needed, but, you know, they treat it as like a family. Okay. Uh, Canturk Hospital, is that, it's, what size is that? Could you call it a boutique hospital? A community hospital? It, it's a community hospital. Yeah. It's run by the HSE. Um, at the moment, there's, I'm not sure exactly how many patients are there, but there's great plans for renovations that will be starting shortly to make it a bigger uh, community hospital for more residents. Mm-hmm. And, so, um, so they, they really undertook their duty of care. Uh, and I know that they can probably do it in, in many ways that the hard-pressed staff of the CUH can't in these situations, just by sheer volume of people and patients yeah. working, uh, attending, and uh, as patients in the CUH. But in the community spirit, the uh, the staff there went above and beyond to keep you all in touch, keep the mental sanity of the patients, I suppose. But above all, um, what measures do you know that they put in place to keep that a COVID-free environment? Well, the social distancing was huge. Um, there's men and women in the hospital. Um, they divided them up into two separate blocks for COVID so they wouldn't be mixing staff or in, in, in teams so there'd be no crossover of staff. Um, and that's what I'm aware of. So there was no mixing. Mm-hmm. 
Well, that's that uh, seems like a very sensible idea. To, so yeah. you're, you're you're making two mini hospitals out of your hospital. That's that's what I, I'm not fully aware of all the details because I you know I wouldn't mm. go into all of it with the staff. But that's what I know that went on. You know. Okay, now ten kilometers a day uh, at eighty-two years of, a, of age. Do that for six days. That's about a marathon and a half. Yeah, but my mom, my dad was a great sportsman in his day. He played a lot of J and other things, so he's always been fairly fit. But uh, he's very determined, and we as a family are very grateful. And this is our way of giving back and to promote Kentor Community Hospital. And everybody around here has great support for it. Uh, I mean, during. COVID, these staff turned into hairdressers and beauticians and, you know, everything else for the staff. I hadn't my hair done, and the first time I saw my mom in um, maybe six, three or six months, she was powdered and puffed, and her hair was fabulous, and her nails were done. Oh, wow. And, you know, they, and I couldn't get a hairdressing appointment, you know. So, um, look, we're, we're so grateful as, as a family. There's just Dad and I and, and, and our our bigger family but um, how can people support you Anna? Uh, I have a GoFundMe page it's called Con Collins Walking for Cantor Hospital and you can follow the links okay Con Collins Walking for Cantor Hospital Hospital yes it's a lovely town Cantor isn't it? it's a great town I just love the I love the layout of it and it's just a chilled atmosphere there it's really really nice Absolutely. Great town altogether. And Newmarket is where I live, so that's a great town as well. I'm not that familiar with Newmarket, but I must visit sometime. Do come down sometime and let us know if you're coming down. (laughs) Anna, well done. Well done to Corny. All right. Thank you so much for taking my call. Thanks a million. So everybody could, you might just promote the GoFundMe page again. Go on, do it yourself. All right. Will you please support Kenner Community Hospital? And if you go to Concollin, Walking for Kentor Hospital, and follow the links. Thank you so much. Thanks. Cheers, Anna, and best of luck to Con or Corey in in his walk. Eileen, thanks for holding. Good morning. Good morning. You hate the word geriatric. I do. I do. I do. I'm kind of disgusted that the nurse would refer to these patients as geriatrics. I've been saying I'm in my 60s and I would hate for someone to say that geriatric patient. I refer to this as third age. Mm -hmm. But I I, I guess essentially and officially she is working in a geriatric ward. I I also agree that that term could be and should be changed. Third age is your suggestion, is it? Definitely. Or even elderly. Yeah, that's okay too. That's okay, but I, I like I would say, like as I said, I'm in my sixties, but I would say to someone, oh, I'm in my third age now. <laughs> no, so I well, I, I do think like what does it say? Ger- I mean, if you have a baby, you know, at thirty four or thirty five, you're referred to as a geriatric mother. Really, I mean, this is you know, this is ridiculous. Like, wow. Yeah. I yeah, I, I, yeah, I had a friend. I think I'm not sure if she had the. Uh, if his mum had the Irish record, she was well into her 50s. And I mean past 55, I think, uh, yeah. when she gave birth, yeah. Uh, wow, wow. Yeah. And um, so 38-year-olds, 37-year-olds are now referred to as geriatric mothers. That sounds a this little... This is it because, yeah, I have um, my daughter-in-law actually had a baby there recently, she's 37. And she was saying that, um, and she's a midwife herself, actually. Um, we're referred to as geriatric mothers. Wow. I think that's ridiculous. Disgusting. Like, I would just say, uh, if you're over in your 60s, I would prefer to say third age in the story. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I know it's not as serious a topic as suicide, but I do uh, recall over the last few years that the term committing suicide has been sidelined now and it's taking their own life, which is a much yes. more gentle term in, in what's yes, a very, very yes, harsh yes. situation. 
I just just want to end their life. Yeah. You know what I mean? As I said, yeah, it is. Yeah, they have ways, and you know, it, it, sometimes the meaning is worse than the actual thing. Yes. Um, you know, that's yeah, because you, you, you know, you, you don't say a pediatric ward, you say a children's ward. You do, you do, you do, you do, the, the children's ward, yeah, whatever. Stay yeah, with me a moment there, Eileen, I just want to bring Tom in. Good morning, Tom. Morning. You don't like geriatric um, either? No, I find, I find it derogatory, and ageist. I find it a horrible kind of an expression, really. When I was younger, I would never have referred to anyone as a geriatric, so I, I, I take exception to being referred to as a geriatric now, senior citizen. Elderly, yeah. whatever town you like. But what, like, what about I, autumn I, I years? What about the term autumn years? Whatever. So, so whatever suits. Geriatric just sticks. Not in mind, just in my thought. Obviously, this other lady that just been to, is of the same opinion. And I'm sure a lot of other people of our advanced stage like I am will be of the same opinion. Okay. And uh, one other thing there, I was speaking to her yesterday and something that Paddy O'Brien didn't pick up on was regarding free travel is that it is absolutely no problem. It is the easiest thing in the world to book a train ticket, we say, to Dublin. No problem. If you contact Ken Station, you'll be given a number and you ring this number and you'll be put in contact with one of the loveliest ladies that you'll ever speak to. Who's manly will go over way to help you and okay that wasn't that wasn't Paddy O'Brien saying that that was me because I, we heard it yesterday yeah, that well, was that it was very I, difficult I, I, I'll, I'll just I'll just put it here on this so this lady then will go over way to help you she'll give you a number right put you right down go down to the station the following morning key in this number on the computer and your ticket drops down get on the train to open that's it in the story no problem no hassle. Okay. If you want to go to if you want to go to call for the day, you walk up to the barrier, hold your pass up to it, it opens the, the gear and you walk on. Mm-hmm. No problem. Because it's it's time. The elderly cohort, and there's another word I don't like, cohort. Uh, but the elderly section of our society have endured more than most in this pandemic, and it's about time they were of looked after we and prioritized. Of course we have. We, 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 of course we have. I, I went through months. We're only been able to see my grandchildren out on the street in front of my house or out in the street in front of their house. Of course we did. Yeah, but that's okay. We went through it. But I mean, don't, don't start calling us geriatric because we went through a hard time. We went through a hard time. Everybody went through a hard time. My daughter, my son, everybody. My son had to walk right, right through it in, in, a, in a job where he's in total contact with people all the time. Mm-hmm. Everybody went through a hard time. Nobody had an easy job in this pandemic. It's been a horrible time. It's been unprecedented in Irish history, probably in world history. Mm. So Thankfully, there's light at the end of the tunnel now. Pardon? Thankfully, there seems yes. to be light at the end of the tunnel. Hopefully, hopefully, my daughter, who is uh, who's kind of, she's paranoid about the thing, just said to me, it's when I was speaking to her on the phone, that she thinks that we're coming to the end of it. I mean, she says that because the girl that has a lot of research into it and everything, she knows everything about it, and she takes all the proper precautions. Okay. And when she says that, it must be true, like, kind of, you know, we're probably all coming to the end of it. The soon we came to the end of the polio epidemic, we came to the end of the TB epidemic. We did. We to the end. We did. Eileen... Eileen and Tom, yeah. did, did you hear the interview I, that I had with John about, about his mother in the CUH? Yeah. Okay. No, I you didn't did hear it, Tom. Okay, well, just, just to update people and, and you, Eileen, 
Uh, John has spoken to his mother since being on air. And this is a text from his sister. Uh, Thank you so much. That porter sorted mam's phone and she rang me. Spoke to him, but he wouldn't give his name. He didn't want any uh, praise or thanks. But please tell him thank you from us. Uh, told the man, uh, I told ma'am, she's all over Red FM. She's absolutely delighted. Uh, and she's doing good. Uh, thank you all so much. And just hearing her voice is a consolation. Cheers from John, Jim, Margot and Dermot in Ballyfehan. Yeah, the people in the hospital. Yeah, the people in the hospitals are working under fierce pressure. I have a brother who's seriously ill, and he's he's only out of hospital now about a week. But for the duration of the time that he was in there, and this man could have been critically ill at the time, as it is now, he's home, and there's a bit of hope there. But we couldn't go to see him, and we accepted we couldn't go to see him. His son was allowed in there, but anyway. What do we want crowding into a hospital ward full of already ill people and maybe carrying in this disease for us or sickness for us? We didn't want to be there. We didn't need to be there. I understand and slightly different in nursing homes. Okay, thank you. Well, okay, Eileen and Tom, we've got to leave it there. Thanks a million for your calls and, okay, and, and for your comments. Okay. Appreciate Bye. it. So, thanks, Eileen. Thanks for that. Bye. Uh, so, Eileen is saying third age. Uh, Tom is saying we should use senior citizens. Autumn years uh, is another one that has been uh, suggested. Oak Fire Pizza, real wood fire pizza, is now in Douglas, Clonakilty, Bandon, Princess Street, and Gill Abbey Street, with a new store just opened in the East Village in Douglas. We've three winners between now and 12 midday. We won't be doing it for about another hour or so. Uh, but you can text lunch, uh, your name, where you're working, how many is there, to 086 8104 106 on our free food Friday on the Neil Prendeville Show for Oak Fire Pizza. Call the Neil Prendeville Show now. 1850 104 106. Red FM. And don't forget, you can email the program neil at ie. And I want to get to some emails before we go to news at 11 o'clock. Hi, Mick. I've been hearing about long COVID for a while now. I know at least 50 people, including myself, who had COVID. Symptom, uh, symptoms ranged from a cough, loss of taste, smell and sore throat to nothing at all. Uh, that only got tested due to close contacts. Yet, I constantly hear people in the media going on about long COVID. Out of interest, I joined a long COVID group on Facebook with over 3,000 Irish members. I spent the next several hours reading through all the messages posted on it, and I was shocked. The majority seem to be hypochondriacs, who have found the perfect echo chamber for their disease. Hypochondria, that is, not COVID. There's a poll with over 60 plus symptoms listed and people seem to think any illness, real or imagined, is long COVID. A smaller minority within the group seem to want to get long COVID classed as a disability in order to get paid by work without having to go back anytime soon. I, of course, know like many viruses, COVID can have long-term effects. But we need to stop giving this airtime and focus on the real issues in Ireland today. Old people afraid to leave the house, partners not being allowed to attend the birth of their children, mass unemployment, massive increase in depression and social anxiety, children unable to return to Ireland to see family and loved ones, people particular children uh, getting more obese by the day as many activities are not available to them, housing prices rocketing due to lockdowns, and unlike the past, the young don't have the same options of leaving the country as it falls apart. No cancer screenings for several months. The list is endless. In years to come, when someone Googles the cure is worse than the cause, I expect pictures of Houlihan, Martin, Leo and Neffet to be uh, pop-ups uh, as idioms of this crazy period and the absolute balls they made 
of everything. I am begging you to stop giving this issue airtime and focus on all the injustices that have been forced onto the Irish people by politicians who give themselves pay rises while at the same time forcibly preventing people from earning a living. Love the show and kind regards, says Eamon. And we'll get to more of your calls and comments and indeed another couple of emails to read and our free food Friday between 11 o'clock and 12. In the meantime, you can call the program on 1850104106. You can text 0868104106 and you can email the show's regular email address is neil at redfm.ie. With the time just turning three minutes to 11, news at 11 in the Red FM newsroom is on the way. I'm Lana O'Connor. Red FM News is first for local, national and international news. And you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by clicking on redfm.ie. You're listening to the Emerald Award-winning Music Station of the Year, Cork's Red FM. It's Mick Mulcahy on the Neil Prendival Show, just to get to some uh, housekeeping. A golden wedding anniversary. Hi, Mick, I hope you're keeping well. Uh, I know you normally don't do requests, but hopefully you'll make an exception this time. Ma'am never misses the show, so it would mean the world to her if you could wish both her and Dad, Brendan and Helen Guihin, from Friary Gardens, a happy golden wedding anniversary. They will be 50 years married tomorrow. Saturday, July 31st. They're absolutely amazing parents, grandparents and great-grandparents. We love them so much and are so thankful for everything they've done for us. Lots of love from their children, five grandchildren and great-grandchildren. Thanks from Fiona. And happy birthday as well to Indy Cooney, who is listening and she's eight years old today. And that's from her Nana Anne in Monkstown. And can Mick wish, please, a happy wedding anniversary to Edward and Geraldine Griffin in Mallow from his sister Lee and all of their family. Laura's on line six. Good morning, Laura. Hi, good morning. Hi, I'm uh, cognizant this is a sensitive topic, so thank you for being brave enough to come on the air and and tell your story. Tell us about your dad. Yeah, dad had um, early onset dementia, Alzheimer's, with a couple of years, so he went into care. Um, the care itself is, is questionable itself. I would put that in inverted commas. It wasn't care as such. Um, it was um, anything but. But eventually Dad ended up in Waterford Regional Hospital. Um, the care there, they were, they were, the girls were very good in fairness. Um, but his health declined after he took his vaccination. And uh, he had a heart complaint, etc. So he went into hospital and therein became the problems. Um, there was no contact with the hospital. I would ring and I would try to get hold of my dad because I was aware that he was forgetful and not able to use his phone at all times. And he um, was unable to answer. And I would ring the ward trying to find out where he was. The ward phone would ring out. The hospital phone would ring out. And eventually I found myself ringing nursing homes to see had my dad discharged one of those. Um, I was I was I was gravely worried for his for his welfare and for his care because obviously with the Alzheimer's he um, he he wouldn't have always been with it you know. And in, in that sense, he, could he have been discharged by a hospital to a nursing uh, home? Well, no, he was too he was too unwell. Um, after he had the vaccine, he um, he was in hospital within hours, and um, he never really quite recovered from that. Mm-hmm. Um, so. For us as a family, I'm here in Ireland on my own. My brother lives uh, closer to, to Waterford as um, I'm the only daughter. So I suppose it always it seems to fall on the daughter's lap to, to do this and to do that. And as, as women, I think we're deemed the stronger ones to be able to cope with it. But um, ultimately, um, I got a call on the eve of, on the day of my dad passing 
urgent call, you need to come, you need to come quickly. And I wasn't allowed visit up until this point, but when we were, uh, we had to cloak up in all of our, in all of our PPE gear, uh-huh. which was fine. I didn't care. I needed to see him. But I had not seen him a number of months. It was a good year since before I had been allowed to see him. We were not allowed to visit in the nursing home, not even nursing window visits. And what I went in the door to look at, I was like a man who was frail. I didn't recognize him. I thought, what has happened to him? He couldn't even lift his hand, lift his head to his face. He couldn't even take little drops of water. So myself and my brother, we, we persevered over the couple of days that we were allowed to visit him because at this point he was in palliative care. We were allowed to go in um, and they were very good to us. Of course, they presumed he was going to pass away. But with family care and with family attention, he came through that. And um, he was taking little cups of water initially, then little capsules of water. And eventually he was actually sitting up able to drink by himself. And this was all over adamant. This was all through care that he was getting for myself and my brother. Was he thirsty, moisturizing his skin, caressing his hand, letting him know we were there. It was vitally important for his existence at that point. But he pulled through, he was discharged, he went to a different nursing home and from that on then um, it was hellish, we couldn't get any information on him. Um, he eventually ended back up in Waterford Region Hospital and uh, I got a call to say, please come urgently. And by the time I had gotten there, he had passed, right? So I thought to myself, he'd be in a private room now, I'd be able to lament with him, I'd be able to grieve for him uh-huh. and when I went in there he was dead and I went over and he was still in a room with six other people and the music was playing out loud it was like nothing had happened he was there, he was dead and I was trying to cry into my tissue to not make any noise to upset the other men that were there because they didn't know he had passed and I sat there and I waited and I just spoke with him softly and told him I loved him and that I was going to miss him. And it was just such a traumatic experience. And the treatment of our elderly is, has become a thing. It's, it, it's not care anymore. It's, it's like an uncaring environment. Everybody carried on like nothing had happened. And meanwhile, my dad was sit on, sitting in the, dead in the corner and there was no real kind of like, can I can I do something for you? Can I get something for you or anything like that? And I just want to really highlight the fact that our elderly are vulnerable. They're they're basically basically back to a baby state in their lives where they need help, they need uh, a kind hand, they need familiarity, they need regular visits to make sure they haven't fallen out of bed because I've gotten so many calls that my father had fallen out of the bed. My dad couldn't walk. Um, for how long was he looking for help before he actually fell out of his bed, you know? So, um, you know, the profession has, has gone downhill, um, in my estimation. Because when my mum died eight years ago, it was a completely different scenario. It was like, it was a huge send-off. We were all in the room. We were singing to her. We were holding her hand. And she knew she was loved and cared for. Yet my father died alone, you know? Isn't that the most important thing, really, at end of life? To yeah. know, as you slip away, that you're loved and cared for. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And my dad died with no one, with strangers and mm. people chattering and laughing in the corner. And Laura, you, you, you must take some comfort in, in, in the first time that you nursed him back, that he hadn't passed at that stage. Because if he had, yeah. and he was close to it, I imagine, at that stage, when you when, when the love and care nursed him back. I, I didn't recognize him. Like, I, I didn't recognize him at all. I was like, who is this pale man? But then I remember I hadn't seen him in months and he had fallen away. 
Um, and that in itself, yes, it did. It did. It did give us great solace. The fact that he he did come back from that, and he he uh, that we did it, you know, and we needed more of that. But the better he got, then it was like, no, you're not allowed to visit anymore. We were just shut out. And then Dad was left on his own again, and then he went downhill, and then from there, he passed away eventually of sepsis, which was poisoning of his system. Um, that could have been prevented, you know, had it, had he been seen to sooner, had he gotten the proper care. Like at one point, Mick, I got a call from a doctor saying, um, a, 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 a lovely gentleman now, and he said to me, uh, I'm ringing about your father's prostate cancer. And I went, oh my God, what, like, what? This on top of everything? And he says, yeah, Jim, whatever. And I go, no, no, you've got the wrong person. My name, oh, sorry, sorry, I have the wrong file. And it was oh, so God. flippant. Yeah. It was so flippant and I thought to myself, oh my God, you know, I've, I'm already worrying about my father's care and the lack of care, I should I say. And now compounded by the fact of getting um, calls that were not to do with my father at all. Um, so, you know, I, I, dread to get, I dread to be old, to be subjected to what I saw uh, my own father having to deal with. Um, man's inhumanity to, to man, you know, at the care, at the hand of supposed caring people. Um, my father's death was just another death, but he was my father, you know, and I, wa- I wanted him to come through this. And it would have been possible for him to come through it had he got the correct care, but he didn't, and ultimately he passed. And, um, you know, we've got to live with that and say, you know, and you, you beat yourself up going, I could have done more. You could have done more, I could have done better. Tell, tell me about yes. your dad. Tell me some positive things about your dad. What, what did he oh, do with dad, his life? Dad, well, dad, dad was very quick with it. Um, loved a good laugh. Um, very, very sarcastic. Very quick to, very quick to, like, oh gosh. Like, there's so many things about dad that I could tell you about um, him as a character, him as a person. Um, my, like he's, he loved his grandchildren. He was a, he was a great man to them. In our earlier years, all right, he was a bit of a taskmaster. We 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 were lived we lived in fear of him. Um, he really cracked the whip. Um, and as he got older and he got Alzheimer's, dementia, and whatever, he came became a much a much kinder, a much a much nicer person. And I think that's even harder to bear that he became so nice um, in his illness that we saw a lovely, 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 soft, calm, passionate side to him. Um, and uh, yeah, I, we, we will miss him. We all miss him greatly. We all miss him greatly. Yeah, I think it's part of the healing process to do that—to speak positively and have good memories and the whole thing. Can, can, can I direct you to a piece of music, Laura, that I know is going to make you cry? And that's not okay. why—that's not why I'm directing it to it. But uh, I, I think listening to it will also bring some sense uh, of closure, of comfort to you, if if, if you like, because okay. uh, everybody in the in the world loses a parent. Uh, and I, I, I can't begin to understand what that must be like. But there's a song by a guy I had the pleasure of introducing on stage in the Opera House. He's now dead himself. His name is Guy Clark. And uh, he has a song called The Randall Knife, R-A-N-D-A-L-L, The Randall Knife. And it's all about the loss of his father. And it is just the most hauntingly beautiful thing. Especially... I've written it down, Mick. I've written it down and listen to it for you, but... Is that crying too much? Now I won't be. I won't be too enamoured with you. No, no, no. Okay, it's can not. I also say? Can I also just say one thing for to my family and my friends who were so supportive through that time? I couldn't have got us through without them, and my colleagues at Unpost in Little Island were just outstanding, and I, I would be always thankful and grateful to them for. I suppose, their quiet way of helping me get through it. Uh, I will be forever grateful for that. Mm-hmm. The, the, the last line of the song I'll give away to you, right? Okay. Uh, Guy Clark found a tear for his father's life and all that it stood for. 
Laura, thanks very much. Thank you so much, Mick. Thank you for taking the call. Thanks. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Text The Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. And back to our phone lines in a moment. But first, uh, hi, Mick. Richard O'Brien in St. Luke's. It's my daughter's birthday today. She loves pizza. We'd love free food Friday. Lunch, please, for Elena Hines at Enterprise Rent-A-Car on the Kinsella Road roundabout. There's six of us, but I'm currently isolating as my housemate tested positive for COVID. But I'd love to surprise the gang in the office with this lunch. Lunch for the staff at Anglesey Street Garden. Station, Lorcan and Gwen at TK Maxx in Douglas. Lunch, please, for Twilight News in the Paul Street Shopping Centre. Hi, Mick. Big shout out to the lads in Anderco in Little Island. Listening to Red FM keeps us going. And we'd love the free food down here. We love pizza. But cheesecakes would be nice as well. Regards, says Michael. Hello from all the girls in uh, Phelan's Pharmacy in Baker's Road. We'd love to win some lunch. Carmel, Kitty, and Mike are working very hard in O'Quill. Uh, surgery on Glasheen Road. Hope I got that pronunciation correct. Hi, Mick. All the hardworking staff in the editorial and sales side of the Cork Indo would love some yummy pizza. Uh, I'd love to win a pizza for my partner, Barry. He's such a fabulous man and always puts out the bins. Love the show from Mary Jane by the lock. Is that the uh, standard you set? Uh, if he puts out the bins, he's fabulous. Anyway, well done, Mary. Thanks for texting in. Kevin Hendrick is in Leisure World in Churchfield looking for the lunch. Lunch for the staff who work in Chalk Cordia at Cope Foundation in Clonakilty, and they're working extremely hard. They deserve a treat. Lunch for Imelda and the gang at Cork Distribution on Little Island. Thanks, Mick. Lunch, please, from all the fantastic hungry staff in Broderick's Chemist in Barrick Street. Hi, Mick. We'd love some pizza for the girls in Hennessy Hair and Beauty on Pembroke Street. It's Linda's birthday today. Happy birthday, Linda. Hi, Mick. Could we get lunch, please, for all the hungry staff at Unified Global Packaging Group in Carrie Tool? Thanks from Mark. IDA Business and Technology Park. That's where they are in Carrie Tool. Lunch, please, for Sheehan Physiotherapy in Balancolic. Four hungry people working there. Barter's Travel uh, in the Old Market Bandon. We would love some pizza. Uh, Barter's Travel Net, that is. Uh, some pizza to share with our lovely neighbours. Greetings from a very happy Skibbereen, the home of the Olympic rowing champions. This is Rita from Inspire Design and Print. And I'd love the lunch vouchers to give to the very busy volunteers in the Rowing Club pop-up shop. That must be the most famous pop-up shop in the country at this stage. Hi, guys. I'd love to nominate Acorn Veterinary Clinic in Mallow for Free Food Friday. I'm a client of them. And the love and care they give uh, to all the animals is unbelievable. It's a fab clinic and all the staff are brilliant. That's from Sharon Stapleton and two or three more. Free Food Friday for School Fitness Ireland working in Glenahulla National School. We are doing an outdoor kids camp this week, come rain or shine. The lads from Tiles or Us in Blackpool are dying for a munch. Brian Sheehan and Sons Plumbing. We are installing your keep, we are installing your heating to keep you all hot. Fixing your leaps, leaks, pipes, drains the whole lot. A new shower in place in less than an hour. A loo and a sink before you can blink. Plumbing and heating, a demanding job making for a tired and hungry mob. An oak-fired pizza is just the treat when they finally do get to eat. Uh, so, well done, guys. If I could give you the, the uh, vouchers, I would. But unfortunately, it's a draw. But you get 10 out of 10 for sheer effort there. And lunch, finally, for top drawer in Carrick Tool, please. Now to our phone lines. And thanks for holding Christine. Hiya, Christine. Hi, Mick. How are you? I'm great. Now, you were diagnosed with MS. You I were was. diagnosed at 32. Uh, and that is, you know, that's a fairly heavy sentence for anyone to take. But now, uh, through positive mental attitude and, you know, your own positivity, really, and your own drive, you're healthier, you're happier, and you're essentially symptom-free. Yes, that's it. Um, and I suppose I just want to, first of all, thank you for having me on air to talk about it, but also just to raise more awareness and education on it because, 
like that now when you hear the words or the label MS like you just automatically think oh god that's awful or you know you'll get an so t- tell surprise. us about MS multiple sclerosis and how it manifests so basically it's an autoimmune disease and what it does is it causes your body to attack the protective sheet which surrounds your nerves and what that does then is it's a thing called demyelination and it causes them to I suppose, essentially, I'm going to use the word disintegrate or kind of, you know, if you can imagine, you know, the the wires that are used in um, when electricians use wires and there's multiple layers around the wires. Mm-hmm. So if you can imagine, like, the outer layer is kind of melting away or disappearing because your immune system is attacking it. And then that's exposing the nerve, which essentially then can cause damage to areas of your body that you don't know. So with MS, it's an immune, it's an autoimmune um, disease that causes, um, like, it could be any part of the body. It could be, you know, the, the hands, the legs, the speech, the eyes. You just don't know. Everyone mm. is different. Everyone is unique and everyone's symptoms will be unique and specific to them. Yeah, uh, and, and is, is there some connection with Lyme's disease? Because I think, is, is, isn't Lyme's disease called the great masquerader and is often confused or misinterpreted or misdiagnosed with MS? Um, yes, as far as I know, um, when I was originally checked for it, they done a lumbar puncture and they would have checked for, I think it was Lyme disease mm-hmm. and I think there's one other, I think it's lupus. I could be wrong on that though, but I know they they check the spinal fluid for that and that's how they get their, their absolute correct um, information. Mm-hmm. But it's um, an, an MRI originally that would help you identify if it is a need for a spinal tap. Yeah, you're probably too young to remember the... Uh Aaron Sorkin uh, written masterpiece called The West Wing but in it a, a president was played by Martin Sheen Jed Bartlett and he had a relapsing remitting um, course of MS which kind of peppered through the whole series and shone a big light on MS but let's look at what happened at, at the start you believe you came became unwell first let's look at what caused the problem and then and then how you created the solution a build-up of anxiety of stress and uncertainty in your life over years uh, and now you've made radical changes to it but tell us about that time in your life um so i suppose i can go back to 2014 i always remember in 2014 i had kind of um a numb sensation in my right hand. What age was I? Like 27, 28. And I remember going to the doctor about it and the work that I do, I'm a beauty therapist, so I'm doing it 15 years. And I remember at the time, we kind of agreed that it could possibly just be a trapped nerve. It just could be um, like any beautician and any hairdresser will agree. Like there is neck and shoulder pain and arm pain attached to the work that you do because you're constantly using your hands. So... We kind of agreed in 2014 that it was probably a trapped nerve and if I wanted to go down the route of, um, it wasn't an MRI at the time, it was a nerve conductor test of some sort. But I was happy enough to kind of go down the alternative route even then, which would have been a bit of acupuncture, a bit of reflexology and just small diet changes. So that was kind of the only symptom I had then along with, we'll say, the odd migraine I would have had when I that's kind of a lie really not the odd migraine I definitely had a migraine once a month (laughs) but I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to kind of help anyone understand I suppose I would have been um, I would have been in a situation we'll say even in work environments in situations where you know there's different personalities there's clashes of personalities so I would have found it very difficult to kind of speak up for myself and to to really say what I needed and then because 
that was um, happening, then, you know, it's almost like you're swallowing your stress and you're swallowing what you really want to say. So I, do, I wouldn't have spoken up in some things. Now, mm-hmm. that's kind of ironic because I can be quite vocal when I need to and I'm sure my family and friends would agree with that. <laughs> I'd say you are, but I, I think you probably get conditioned to a level of pain or a level of being uncomfortable. So you had the constant pain, the dull ache in your neck and your shoulders. And mm-hmm. at one stage you thought you were losing your mind. Oh, genuinely, now the stage where I thought I was losing my mind would have been at the the peak of 2019. So if I take it to 2019, what happened in 2019 was um, it manifested over, I'm going to say over a period of four weeks. I remember waking up and my two arms felt like I slept on them. That's the only way I can describe it. It felt like a heaviness and it felt like um, like a pinched nerve. Now, again, I don't know what a pinched nerve feels like. That's just what I thought I, I was feeling. So I went to the doctor and the doctor agreed again. He said, um, look, we'll give you a course of anti-inflammatories. And that weekend, I remember it was Saturday, it was my ring finger and my baby finger. It was, you know, when you get pins and needles and the feeling of it as it's about to leave your hands, it's like a horrible prickly feeling. Mm -hmm. So I had that. And the other feeling I had was kind of like, it was almost like a buzzing. So, you know, if you were blending your food in a blender and you had your hand on the blender and you can feel the vibration. Yes. So I had that in my hands as well. And trying to explain it to people at the time, they were kind of saying, you know, you know, like you look fine, you look fine, which is probably the biggest thing that is, it's the worst thing to hear because that's fine, you can look fine. But I'm, you know, I was struggling to say to people, yeah, but I don't feel fine. And they were saying, but, you know, you're able to drive and you're able to do this. But I was trying to explain over and over why I was feeling unwell and nobody was kind of understanding. So I went back to the doctor and again, he kind of said, look, you know, you just need to, you need to have patience. And I'd be the first to say I have no patience for myself with anything. So I was at this stage now getting irritated as the week went on. By the second week, I had that feeling in both my arms. Now, I was still working as well. So I, I'm very fortunate. A lot of my clients will be doctors, nurses. Um, I work in Bishopstown, so we're near the COH. So I remember saying it to one of the doctors, one, one doctor in particular, and her own, like she was in as a client, and she said, um, she said, look, because it's in both hands, she said, um, I wouldn't be too concerned. And it could be stress, it could be anxiety. We, we were talking just completely as, you know, um, just normal, just chit-chat. So I went and it was a Friday. So the following two weeks later, it, it, the sensations had gotten to the peak where now I was driving people mad. Like I was actually starting to take painkillers to try and make the pain go away. But it wasn't even a pain. It was it was a feeling and a sensation that, like, I'll say again it was like a buzzing and a, a numbness it mm-hmm. felt like I was wearing gloves on my hands and you, I you, you got a diagnosis from the GP and I know that your mum was with you and that happened and that, that was kind of harrowing and then your dad uh, also and still to this, uh, this day you say wants to take the diagnosis and take the take what's wrong himself on himself rather than have it on you how, yeah, was, it, how was all that that must have been very difficult that's quite that is quite heavy um you know, like when, when we got the phone call after I had the MRI, um, I got the phone call and mum was there and uh, like we have a family member that has MS and ironically enough then as well, like um, where I live in Ballancolic, there's two people in in the same estate um, that also have it. So I wasn't unaware of it or uneducated about it. So we know about it and we know what it is. So mum was quite upset naturally. She started crying. I was in the kitchen, but I just remember I went into total like, okay, this was this was the first MRI and it was my GP rang me with the results and what she said was, we have reason to believe there are areas of your brain that are highlighted that are consistent with someone that has MS. Mm-hmm. 
mm. but we need to have a neurologist to look at it to confirm. So again, that was the Friday. So um, I had been in the hospital the week before and I'd been sent away. I hadn't received an MRI. So um, it was, that was another thing that I wanted to kind of highlight is the fact that like I had been sent away multiple times from different medical professions, but it was me like persisting continuously to just get to the point and the route that I knew there was something wrong. And then when that happened, um, I paid for the MRI myself and I got the results and that was fine. And then I was able to be seen pretty soon by um, a neurologist on the Monday, the 1st of July. But I also, I remember we were flying to Lanzarote on the Friday and my biggest thing was, I don't have my bag packed. Will I be all right to fly? <laughs> so... And I, I suppose as, as heavy as a diagnosis can be for the, the person receiving it, there are ripple mm-hmm. effects into the family as well. Absolutely. I mean, as you said there now with my dad, my, my, my dad um, would express his emotions in a totally different way. Like myself, my mom will talk to the cows come home and express our feelings. And it's much harder on the generation. Like dad's, dad's quite young. He's only 62. And, um, you know, I suppose he wouldn't express his, his way in words, but he has so many other lovely ways to express it. So, he, of course, he said, he, you know, he said, is there anything we can do? Can we do stem cell? Can we do this? Like, he, he didn't know. I mean, it was a massive kick in the gut for your family because, like, they would have shed tears that they didn't want me to see because they would have been so upset. And, you know, in my head, though, even from day one, I, I even now I'm still like, but I'm fine. Like, I am absolutely fine. And, you know, I get some people that will not ask me how I am because they're afraid in case I say, oh, God, yeah, maybe, you know, it's it's a fearful thing. It's it's absolute fear, it's complete and utter fear. But I suppose I'd like to educate and highlight to people that I am quite positive and I am extremely um, passionate about sharing and educating people on it that, you know, it doesn't have to be this big taboo hidden mm-hmm. thing that you have to be afraid of. Yeah, we, we've heard, of course, in the last 24 hours of the Herculean sacrifices in training, in diet, in regime uh, that our two Olympic gold and all of the people who make the Olympic team make. Uh, mm-hmm. And that starts mentally, I, I think. And I think you've done something similar. You, you decided at that point, I'm going to climb this Mount Everest and I'm going to get through this and I'm going to have a positive mental attitude and I'm going to draw strength from my mother, who is a particular rock for you, isn't she? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um and it is, it's completely down to the positive mental attitude. But what's funny is you can be the most positive person in the world and you'll find that, you know, there'll be people in, in your situation that may or may not agree with that or, you know, they'll, you know, they'll, they'll be almost shocked at how positive you are. Mm-hmm. So how, how did it go for you and how did you affect the cure, I suppose, or the, the feeling of, of health that you have today? Um, well, I suppose with the whole MS, you can never say it's cured. I mean, it's, it's in your body. And the way I describe it to people, I think this is a good way, this is a good analogy for me. So, you know, people that would have cold sores. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of people would have that. And you'd know if someone has them because you'd see them on their face. So for me, the way I describe MS is the, the disease can live in your body. And if you're having, we'll say, you know, a flare up or the way you would with cold sores, you'd you'd see it or it would attack something. So I, for me, believe personally that stress, diet, all that is related to causing a flare-up. So if you're living in a state of stress, if you're living in a state of anxiety, if you're living with a constant fearful feeling in your body, 
you're not doing your body any favours and your body's going to respond to you by, by you know, creating illness. And it's, and I don't mean that now in a kind of, a, it's going to create, like, you know, telling people, oh, if you're stressed, you're going to make yourself sick. But in theory, if you're living in a constant state of high adrenaline, high alert, mm-hmm. obviously your body's going to be feeling, you're going to be exhausted. Christine, the, fo- the phone, sorry, the yeah. phone is crackling a bit. Have you moved at all? Can you go back to where you were if, if you've moved? Yeah, I'll move back there now. It's just crackling that little bit. That might be a bit better now, is it? Yeah, is that better? Oh, much better. Thanks a million. So you've you've also tried alternative uh, therapies such as molecular hydrogen. I've tried that. It's brilliant. Uh, Acupuncture and cranial sacral therapy. Yes, all of those. um, I'm very blessed, yeah, with the molecular hydrogen. Like, I, I... Again, I, I believe it's all about being in the right place at the right time, knowing who you know. And I was very fortunate to do the molecular hydrogen in um, Bishopstown. It, it done me the world of good. It's painless, tasteless and amazing. i done six sessions of that. i done um, nine sessions of acupuncture. And I also worked with a life coach all within that space of the first diagnosis. It was July. And by August, I mean... I, I didn't take time off work or anything. Like I, I was, I got to go on my holiday. Um, I came back from the holidays, went back into work. The the feeling in my hands went down. It went away. It slowly went away. But by the end of August, it was completely gone. Like mm-hmm. I have had no other symptoms or no other um, feelings. And then I had another MRI that November. And I suppose just to explain to people, like when you get an MRI for MS, what they do is you go into the tunnel and um, you're in there. For 20 minutes they scan your brain then they take you out and they inject a dye into your veins and what that dye does is when you go back into the tunnel it highlights the areas of your brain that have the lesions and the lesions are basically they're like little scar tissues on your brain that appear and that's how a doctor will know mm-hmm. if you have MS so when the dye goes back in if you're having a flare-up and you're in the midst of having you know the symptoms the dye will actually leak out of those areas of plaque now, I only know all this because I'd say I give my neurologist anxiety because I ask him a million questions. And I'd also encourage people to do that. If you're in a situation where your health is, um, there's some, some, whatever it is, whatever health issue you have, don't be afraid to ask your doctor questions and be as picky and as specific and as nosy as you want. It's your body. You're quite entitled to ask those questions. Uh-huh. Uh, the molecular hydrogen, was that, that's in Kilross Clinic with Noel O'Connor, is it? It is, yes, Noel. Oh my God, yes. So um, I cannot thank Noel enough. He is just an absolute amazing person. Um, so yeah, I was able to do the sessions in there. And it, I, for me personally, it worked. And then I done a couple of top-up sessions. I done some again recently. And I actually found um, it really helped me. Hay fever. I had shocking hay fever. And I always kind of joke. I said, like, when I when I got the MS, my hay fever disappeared. I was like, oh, sure, I might as well swap one out for the other, you know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, I, I, I thought particularly funny is, is, is what you said. Um, I don't have MS. I, uh, I have multiple stories. Oh, God, yeah, definitely. Um, like, I, uh, you could hear, like, I love talking. <laughs> but, um, yeah, because it, it, it's to remove the fear in it, you know, like, like as I said, you know, people, some people won't ask. They won't ask about it. And, once they see me and they see I'm fine looking health-wise, then as in, you know, the older generation of family members, and then in their head, it's like, oh, she looks grand now, so she must be. But I suppose you just never know. And that's what I, that's what anyone, and that's what any autoimmune disease, you know, people with Crohn's, people with celiac disease, people with underactive thyroids. Like I have an underactive thyroid as well, but I don't be kind of, you know, 
harping on about that, you know. So, um, and it kind of, it's a thing, I suppose. I want to know, why is there so many people nowadays, even my age and younger, being diagnosed with autoimmune diseases? Like I had a lady message me the other day on Instagram after reading the article and she told me her little boy, he's only 10 and he was diagnosed with MS. And I mean, that, that's heartbreaking for me to read because I'm a mom. Uh-huh. And, like, I forget myself that I have it, but I'm like, oh, my God, you know, so, it, like, I want to know, what is it? Is it our food? Is it our, our diet? Like, is it yeah. our lifestyle? You know, what? Can, can, can I ask you again, just to try and hone in and focus on, on the route back to health, did, did mm-hmm. you get support in a hospital, or is it the alternative therapies, or is it mindset, or is it attitude, or is it stress management? What brought you back to good condition, if you like? Um, I would say a combination of, of everything, a combination of having a very supportive neurologist. I cannot thank him enough. He's so, so supportive. Um, I suppose having good supportive friends, having having a goal. Like I remember when I was diagnosed and I remember, I suppose it, it was the 3rd of July. I remember walking out of the room. My mom and my aunt were there for support, so family support. But as I was walking back to the room, I also remember thinking, oh my God, I can actually do something with this. I can talk about it, but like the tears never come down my face, but I was still walking back to bed going, going to be grand, I'm going to be fine. And I'd like to give a quick mention as well. When, my, when I stayed in hospital in 2019, there was a lovely girl next to me, Martina, with her son. They were in for whatever reasons. And the following year, I had to go back to get blood done to, for a checkup. And I met her and her son getting blood the same day. And she was so happy to see me because I was telling her I went back to college. I qualified um, as a life coach of neuroscience. And it was just such a lovely moment. And her son had done his leave and start. And it was just, it was so lovely because I remember her and I remembered her son. And it was just, um, you know, those little things, those little positive things, looking for those little connections and just having something to look forward to. Like, mm-hmm. I, I decided I was going to go back to college. I decided I wanted to help people. I decided I wanted, like, I for the last couple of months, there's always little things of what I will do to help other people. Sure, but your your annual MRI is coming up in a couple of months now again, and um, you're you're visualizing and demanding of yourself. <laughs> it's going to be clear. How, how much is is that visualization and manifestation? Uh, um, how important is that? It's it, yeah, it's very important. It's it's like I wake up every morning and I would say an affirmation every morning. I would say something positive to myself, whether like when I open my eyes, whether it's um, I'm so thankful for my health or I and I'd say two or three times I'd open my eyes and I'd say I'm so grateful for my healthy body and healthy mind or I'm so grateful for my children and my, my family and my friends you know some people pray some people say like that say their little mantras and um, it's whatever is going to work so I actually actually had my MRI um, two weeks ago again I my sinuses had come at me this is the ironic thing the 3rd of July this year I was like I'm two years um, diagnosed I'm so happy I'm so healthy and then my sinuses were at me and I was feeling rotten and I was like oh jeez I'm after drinking myself here now <laughs> but I was seen by my neurologist and my GP and they confirmed that it wasn't a flare up and it was it was linked to um, sinuses and then I went to a lovely girl I'm going to give her a mention as well on air Tara she's in Douglas for kinesiology she's fantastic and she helped me understand as well that it was actually a touch of leaky gut and when you have leaky gut basically that means that you could be eating all the healthy foods in the world but there's something not agreeing with you and it's causing inflammation in your body and irritation so I that was um that was two was it last week I went to Tara so anyway between the jigs and the reels um the MRI I had the MRI and I'll have the results of that shortly and 
the alternative therapies working with Tara, I Brilliant. feel fantastic. So let's let's look to the present and the future. You have an Instagram account. Your handle is at Anchor Your Awareness. Uh, can, can people get in touch? Are you making a living out of out of helping people? Um. Well, my full time job is beauty therapist, and I take on a very small amount of clients to do the coaching with. I've had a good um, response with people in the last 12 months, 24 months that have had really good results. So there's information about that on my website and on my um, Instagram. I'm mostly on Instagram talking all sorts of everyday mm-hmm. life. So they just, I suppose they want to show to people that, you know, I'm not like a, this serious life coach person that, you know, you like this is me, this is my personality. And I want to educate people and teach people that, you know, if I can do it, so can you, why can't you? Yeah, and your reoccurring message is listen to your gut feelings. Your body will give you the answers to everything and everyone and pay attention to your body yeah. and always speak up for yourself. And to this end, uh, and you're the only person I've ever spoken to who's actually about to give a TED Talk. I mean, one, yeah. of, my, one of my heroes is the guitarist Tommy Emmanuel. I managed to get him on air here one time. Best acoustic guitar player in the world. And he's done a TED Talk, so I'm, I'm wow. very impressed that somebody wow. from Cork is doing one. Oh, thank you. And ironically enough, my TED Talk is nothing to do with MS. <laughs> it's, it's something totally different. So, um, so yeah, I suppose just um, that all, again, that all just, it, it was just a ripple effect. I suppose the another reoccurring message is accept what comes your way, whether you don't want to or not. And the faster you accept it and you look for an alternative and you look for a way to accept it, adapt and then you'll be able to overcome it or work with it in anything. And then good things will start to happen. You'll be able to embrace things then that are not so good in your life with a better attitude. Okay. It's been brilliantly refreshing talking to you, Christine. Well done Thank for all, you. all you've achieved uh, mentally and health-wise and for all of the alternative things you try and, and for all the positivity you've brought it back into your own life. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, it's just, uh, yeah, I just want people to know, you know, there is hope and no matter what you're diagnosed with, no matter what your symptoms and no matter what you're, you, you have, like you can and you will get through it, but you have to take the step as well and ask for help. I will hold my hands up there as well and say I was very, um, I suppose, restrictive with asking for help and support. Um, but like lean in on your friends, tell people if you're having a bad day, don't put on the mask, don't mm. put on the I'm fine face. Uh, there's an, there's an old saying, Christine, I use quite a bit. It's, uh, yeah. it, it goes, if you're drowning in the river, you need to be an active participant in your own rescue. Yes, absolutely. 100%. You know, we're, none of us are made of um, stone. We have to be able to express ourselves. So just to, for people to do that. But also don't live in misery. I mean, you know, misery loves company. So look for the positives. And if you're surrounded by people that are quite negative and quite mentally draining, oh my God, just go away from them. <laughs> 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 I'd say you have some great nights out, do you? Do you know, no, I haven't had a night out now, no, but I have great days out. Like, I mean, I, every day is a new day. Like, I, I I look for the fun and I look for the adventure. And I know myself, I drive I drive my kids mad, I drive my family mad, and God love us, I, drive, I probably drive people mad in a good way. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's, have excitement in your life. Like, like we're doing the... Um, the tubing in Robert's Cove now in two weeks' time. I'm so excited for that. I think I was more excited than the kids. I was like, I can't wait to be flying down the slides now and having a ball. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Well done. Yeah. Thanks a million, Christine. Very positive chat. Thanks so much. All the best. Thanks. And you can follow Christine on Instagram uh, at Anchor Your Awareness. At Anchor Your Awareness. The Neil Prendival Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 1850-104-106. Just hearing the Marina Market mentioned there in that last advert, uh, I've visited that a couple of times. What an amazing facility. What an amazing set of offers are down there. And I know that there were blaring out of walk and roll down there. So hi to everybody there. The Marina Market, if you haven't been down there, it's seven days a week 
week now, until about 7pm. What a variety of food and offerings there and uh, kind of... Uh, yeah, the stalls and, and, and boots at the weekend as well. Now, I've got a, a very uplifting uh, interview, hopefully, to finish with uh, Katie Troy, Managing Director at the TEFL Institute. Just to mention our last of our free foodie, uh, free food Fridays, Ross Creedon and the lads at RPC Specialist Haulage in Granada, uh, Lunch for Everyone in Tesco Pole Street, uh, Cantor Community Hospital, AP Vaughan Recycling and Tower. Uh, I think John and his family should have a pizza treat for highlighting the situation in the CUH regarding his mum. Cheers from Helen in Ballinlock. May I be considered for Oak Fire Pizza? My two brothers' birthdays are next week, and they're both in the USA. Uh, we'll have a joint birthday party soon, says Claren Dunmanway. Baker Finn Recruitment, busy filling pharmaceutical jobs in Cork, based in Middleton. Uh, with, uh, Danny, Rossa and John Murray and Stryker in Tulla Green. Mary McGough in uh, Argus and Mahon, expert attic conversions in Grange. How about getting the bus drivers some pizzas? They've been working throughout. I'm not a driver, but I think they deserve it, says Veronica in Knockraha. And just a couple more. I'd love to nominate the nurses and staff on Level 2 at the Dermot department in the SIVUH. Uh, this is Alan and Dylan working hard delivering drink to the pubs and stocking you up for the weekend. Northside tires on the Old Manor Road as well and it's Beth working hard from home. Now working equally hard on line six we have Katie Troy who's of the TEFL Institute. It's pronounced TEFL. I think am I correct, Katie? Yes, that's correct, Neil. Uh, the TEFL. So the TEFL Institute of Ireland is who I work for. Okay, and this is, in, in a way, it's empowering people to have uh, different options after the Leaving Cert. What does TEFL stand for? Yeah, so TEFL stands for Teaching English as a Foreign Language. So it is the most commonly accepted certificate worldwide. And I suppose this certificate allows you to teach English to non-native English speakers across the globe. Okay, and this is a means of getting, is that a means of getting into countries and having extended stays there? Yeah, so it can definitely um, help you with the extended stays, I suppose, with, for visas and things like that. And as well, I suppose, just when I, when we were launching the Life After the Leaving Cert campaign, we were just saying, you know, it's been such an uneasy time for everyone, everyone in fifth year and sixth year going through it, all the different changes with the Leaving Cert. So I suppose we did think that completing a TEFL course, if you were deciding to take a gap year on your, or on your summer holidays, it would give you more options to maybe travel abroad and earn money at the same time or give you the opportunity to even teach English online and earn money from the mm. comfort of your own home or else just gaining your TEFL qualification and using it to either teach in the classroom um, and just upskilling and having a lot of other aspects of your life like leadership, organisation, communication and so on. Okay, so in that sense, and bringing it to its logical extension, you can do this teaching from a beach hut in Fiji, a treehouse in Bali, or anywhere you have a good connection and a laptop. Yes, most definitely. So, like, I guess the, the teaching in Fiji, we can honestly say that comes from um, one of my colleagues, Kate Popova. She took some time off work there last year, the year before last, and um, she headed off and just brought her laptop with her. And she was literally, like, signing in in the morning, sending us on pictures, drinking out of a coconut and with her laptop. I mean, like, just about to log on now, guys, have three classes in the morning. And we are here clung to the radiators at home back in Ireland being like, Kate, take us with you so um, it's amazing and I guess like if it's not even just teaching English online like I started my journey with TEFL a couple of years ago when I taught um, English in Abu Dhabi so I was a TEFL teacher over there so I suppose whether it's in the classroom or whether it's online there's so many different aspects um, to use this certificate and we do like to call it the golden ticket to to teach Sure because you you, you can travel and uh, just log on to do your lessons if if, if they're at regular times wherever you are and continue to travel And, and of course you don't sell frying pans that's TFAL 
Yes, so we do get a few live chats coming in every now and again just to be like, oh, my T-cell warranty is gone and, and so on and so forth. So <laughs> okay. we just we try to steer them down different uh, different avenues then to try contact the other providers and that it's not us at all. So Seems like a great option, Katie, for, for youngsters, especially if you've done the Leaving Cert and you're looking for opportunities to travel and make money at the same time after the Leaving Cert. How can people get in touch with you? Is there a cost and when is your next course starting? Yeah, so our courses are on are ongoing. So we do have, it's a distant learning course. Now we do have, we used to have actually classroom-based courses as well where you would do your practical training, but unfortunately that has all been put to a halt at the moment. But they're now all um, done through Zoom. So you are still in like the virtual classroom. Um, so that has been amazing that we were able to resume those courses and that people can network and get to know each teacher. So they are running monthly as well. And we do have then our ongoing... And the website? Um, online courses yeah so on our website is hello at teple.e and we also have an Instagram platform um, teple.e and we also have a Facebook platform as well so you can okay. contact us on is any of those T-E-F-L or T-E-F T-E-F-L dot I-E Yes, that's okay, correct. Perfect. Yeah. Katie, I have to go for news. Thanks a million uh, and we no wish problem. you all the best in gathering more people and broadening their horizons. Thank you very exactly. much. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Now, Free Food Friday, all the gang at Intrust Communications, Marina Commercial Park. Well done, guys. You're a winner. Uh, a very happy Skibbereen, the home of the Olympic rowing champions. That text was pulled out. So Rita from Inspire Design and Print is going to uh, give it to the busy volunteers in the rowing club pop-up shop. And to Brian Sheehan and Sons Plumbing, you wrote a little poem. You're going to be fed for it. Well done, your Free Food Friday winners with Oak Fire Pizza, Real Wood Fire Pizza. Now in Douglas, Clonakilty, Bandon, Princess Street and Galabi Street, the new Kid on the Block, of course, is their store at the East Village in Douglas. That's the Neil Prendival Show. Have a great bank holiday weekend. My thanks to Brenda Dennehy, to Mark Willington and Seamus Whelan uh, for the wonderful work they do in producing this programme making it so easy to present. And I'll talk to you on Tuesday after news at 9 o'clock. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.